Hey, we got numbers and... <laughs> God damn it. All right. Cleveland Moto Podcast number 452. Please, 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 Fabrice. Uh, what the Jesus? Sleeping. There's this, there's this thing. It's, it sounds like it sounds like a mouse on a single cylinder motorcycle just rode through the podcast and Sleepy's like, I had lentil soup. You had lentil soup. Good God. Did you eat it out of a corpse? Yeah. <laughs> I think it did, dude. I, I mean, come there's, on. There's a problem here because as it, soon as no it gets kidding. out, it's like bubbling and making more. <laughs> no kidding. You got a problem. You should probably go get that check. I think. And this is coming from me. I spent a lot of money on nutritionists. I, I really do. I kind of feel like. There's hyenas that smell better than that. <laughs> they, that prob- was- they probably wouldn't eat that. Hey, man. I yeah. always try to... Un- I, I never want to underwhelm with anything. I, I have do. some... Uh- <laughs> Charcoal air filters for your ass that my wife bought I'm about me to go get my a couple years ago. Uh, just make it. Okay, eat. enough about me. As much as I like to talk about Charcoal. it, don't we have a guest we're waiting for? Yeah, I think we're, uh, we're working on that. We're working yeah, on well, it. let's work on that. Um, welcome to episode number four hundred and fifty-two. To yeah. my immediate left, we have Dan Cronky, and to his left, Steve uh, Fart Sleepy, and to his left, John McElfresh. And to his left, Chris Smith. And behind the bar tonight, Tom Pennington. And your humble narrator, Phil Waters. Uh, tonight, yet again, I gotta say, I don't know how it happened, but I've ended up with another Great Lakes Christmas sale. And uh, the reason. What are you talking about? A little bit. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. And you're the one who's going to burp into the son of a bitch later no on. No kidding. All that shit. You need to pretend and, and he's standing gonna, up, not lying down. Oh, yeah. You're going to criticize my microphone technique. No, no, no. It like wasn't butter your dripping fault. off. You had it there. It was biscuit. Up, so it was just it was I did so I could open little, the beer, buddy. It was bouncing a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't come to your job and knock the dick out of your mouth. I'm, uh, I'm at my job, though. That's oh. what I'm doing right now. So, But I wanted to say that because Rheingeist Brewery in Cincinnati is doing the Garage Brewed Motorcycle Show. Yeah. Saturday, February 3rd. And um, I've only had the pleasure of going once. And when I went, it was a much smaller event. We're going to circle back to this later in the podcast because I want to make sure that all of our friends within a 738-mile radius of Cincinnati have to make a decision between that and the AIM Expo in Vegas. There's two motorcycle-y things to do, kind of one in the Midwest and one on the West Coast. So yay, super cool. Um... We did want to give a call, if we could, uh, out to the folks, Richard at Janush or Janus Motorcycle Company, because they've made a change. Um, they've, they've altered some things. And honestly, this is, this is one of those things where if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to motorcycle podcasts, you're familiar with the Janus retro motorcycles. Um, they are something that... that is a 1920s style throwback. Chris, what is the best, since you're, not only are you an owner, um, you're not the hair club member, but you're also the president. Uh, what's your opinion, like what would be a good way for you to introduce somebody to the idea of what a Janus motorcycle is? Uh, it's a smaller bike, and uh, it's going to be utilized, I would say, around the city mostly, or on slower roads. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not anything that you want to be taken on the highway for any extended period of time, unless you know somebody to call and come pick you up when... Uh, unless you're driving it home from... Uh, Goshen, Indiana. Bingo. Which, which <laughs> I did happen to do. In which case, driving it all the way from Goshen, Indiana to Cleveland, Ohio, is totally normal. Yeah. Especially on yeah. a bike with one mile on it. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Uh-oh, voicemail. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do him a solid. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to text him real quick yeah. and let him know that, um, that you know, that's the kind of thing where he can just give me a call on this number whenever he wants. Yeah, if he doesn't recognize your number, he right. might not want to answer. Well, you can like, call me at this scam likely the podcast period. Thanks. <clears throat> However. All right, we're back. Uh, we'll see if he calls in. But so not long ago, Janice did something kind of big, which was to go to a 450 cc. Right. Because the idea of the 250 was kind of like, we don't have to build it with a racing chassis. We don't have to build it with racing suspension if we're only going to put 250 in it. What was the rule about the Lake Erie Loop? It's not a race because every bike in it can't go over 85 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to say it's not a race if you're limiting it to, what, 200 cc's. Mm -hmm. As people started showing up with bikes that were under 200 cc's but could go over 100 miles per hour the playing field shifted a little bit, mm. right? Now, Janus has a 450cc motor available, which does shift the playing field a little bit. It's quite a bit more power than the 250. In the case of Chris's bike, Chris's bike has been breathed on. It's been modified. So it, too, now has more power than the original design called for mm. um, of the 250. These things are gorgeous. I mean, these motorcycles are absolutely beautiful. But don't expect to see it down at your mega dealer in the row with 300 other motorcycles fighting for space with the CF Moto 250. I think it's best described as a boutique bike. I do. I like the idea Agreed. of a boutique or a bespoke yeah. motorcycle. And uh, it ain't for everybody. It's not. And if you're delivering papers and you've only got two shekels to rub together, this might not be the best bike for you. But I think also uh, for some guys, I mean, Chris was riding with thing, but I've heard that a mm -hmm. lot of guys that wanted to get involved with some of those, like um, the rides that are like your bike has to be pre-1930. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are getting exclusions for it because they fit into that whole aesthetic. So oh, they have to look out idea. of place yeah. on the rides. So when you're, like when you're going past the, the parade of <laughs> yeah. uh, minivans and SUVs that all blend in, yeah. nobody's going to know that you're not riding a 1919 Cleveland or something. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Look at, okay, perfect parody. Look at the Royal Alloy. Right. Royal Alloy 300. Yeah. It's not a GTS 300. No matter what you're doing, you set them side, but we set them side by side every yeah. day. And it's not the same thing because it does not have that old vintage aesthetic to it. I don't think, though, there's a lot of venom out there. There's a lot of venom in the world of the vintage Volkswagen people that mm. are like, don't you dare show up at our event with your modern Beetle. Oh, yeah. Mm. You get no credit for that. There's a lot of vintage mini people. There's a lot of vintage moped snobs. Right, the vintage mini people don't want you showing up in a, in a BMW car. You almost got to. Can when do they come out with the new Beetle? Like you can almost put a historical place. No, they're, they're close, twenty years old. It? <laughs> it's getting close. Yeah, but in that world, there's a lot of venom there, and in our dumb ass <laughs> scooter community, there was a lot of venom when the design came out for the Royal Alloy, and when I had a prototype and I took it out years and years and years ago to scooter events. There were two camps of people. The one camp of people was like, yeah, it's a fucking fake Lambretta and blah, blah, blah. And they really just fucking hated on it. But everyone else was like, you know what? That's a Lambretta that I can get to work on and go 85 miles an hour on. And it's not going to break every 17 and a half minutes. So, uh, so that was six, seven years well, you ago. Can, you can keep them running, man. You just got to throw $1,200 at them every two weeks. Dude, if I was going to throw $1,200 at a bike, I'd just buy a Norton. But you know what? It's not the $1,200. A lot of people have $1,200 in their pocket every two weeks. It's the fact that there are seven people in America that can work on it, and yeah. only one of them agrees to. Yeah. Yep. 
Hi, it's Phil at Cleveland Moto. Hey, how you doing? So we got you on the podcast now. We can hear you. Great. Fantastic. So we are going to talk about your Origins program and how, you know, we just got done talking about your 450 and what a big introduction that was to um, all of our people that, you know, maybe wanted a little more power out of their uh, historical looking motorcycle so they could maybe take some freeway trips and stuff like that. Um, But this idea... Tell us a little bit about the idea of the Origins program. Yeah, so uh, I guess, you know, really starting four years ago um, is really when we initially just just facing the rising costs of materials, uh, our supply chain, and, you know, just inflation in general, uh, we found that we needed to raise the price of every, basically all our models. And it really... It, it, it hasn't stopped <laughs> in that sense. Everything's continuing to get, get more and more expensive. I was just talking to my wife about buying groceries and we were talking about how everything is even more expensive than before Christmas. Um, and so really just to, to combat that, we've had to raise the price of our main line, um, the standard Halcyon 250, like the 250 line and the 450 line. Um, but we also know that <laughs> it just so happens that Janice, hap- you know, our, our bikes are, to put it mildly, not the least, not the uh, the cheapest 250 or 450 on the market. Um, <laughs> well, let's so, just uh, let's just say that. Let's just get that yeah. out of the way right now. Yeah. The elephant in the room is that this yeah. is not a motorcycle that's for the you know the person that's primary interest is the budget. Yeah. So when we got when we uh, just to kind of go back to the, the the mentality we took to these bikes to the from the very beginning. Um, even when we made a 50cc version of the Halcyon, it was not to make uh, a low-powered bike that was a budget bike. Um, we make a low-powered, lightweight uh, motorcycle because that's what we like, and we choose to make one that has many, many different options. It's handmade, and it's also not just handmade, it's handmade extremely locally. Uh, we call it hyper-local supply chain. Um so yeah, just get that the elephant in the room, you know, out there is they are not the goal was for them not to be the cheapest thing, and um, nor are they. Um, however, we also well, simultaneously we we don't really want these to be something like Arch or even something like Modus or some of these are Confederate or what is what is it now Curtis. You don't want these things to be uh, elitist or. Uh, astronomically expensive um many of our owners even with the current pricing uh are just regular people uh like chris like chris <laughs> like chris well, i don't know about that <laughs> first time i've been um, called regular in a while but they're they enjoy these things and they are you know they, they do still fall within the realm of uh something that just about anyone can save up for it's just when you pair it with maybe a 250 that you're used to it's a little different all that said we're, we were like, how? What can we do on a bike that is already pretty minimal? <laughs> to put it lightly, again, you know, we've, our whole thing is basically carrying down a motorcycle to what is essential. How do we take this and we try and make it more approachable to to folks that that like myself, <laughs> you know, that uh, don't have a whole lot of money to burn? Well, and if I may, of, you you guys are in a peer group of one, right? 
There is no other, there is no other manufacturer. There's no place that I can buy a bike that competes with your bike. Um, you know, we look at certain things like a, you know, a, a Royal Enfield Meteor or something like that. And those bikes are emulating something that's 40 years newer looking than your bike. Right. So your yeah, bike is one of good, one. Yeah, yeah, really feel people say, well, what's your competitor? And I say, well, we don't really have one, but if I were to say what our customers are shopping between, it's often Royal Enfield. Right. The funny thing is that Royal Enfield is part of a, you know, it's manufactured by one of the largest motorcycle manufacturers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Janus is manufactured by Janus, which is probably the smallest motorcycle manufacturer in the world. There may be <laughs> some kind of custom shop that's smaller. Um, so there's a big difference there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, it, it is a peer group of one. Um, and so we kind of have to, we can kind of, on the one hand, we do whatever we want. Uh, and on the other hand, we are responsible for our own actions. So we have to make sure that we can provide something that it sells. You know, we, we are, we're a company that works just like everybody else. You know, it, there has to be the demand there. Um, and so we put a lot of thought into it and we approached it a couple of, by, a couple of different ways. Um, now, some people could say, "What is the the price difference? Is around eighteen hundred bucks less than um, a fully loaded one?" I don't know. The standard eighty eight hundred. Let's just say Halcyon two fifty. The Origin line Halcyon two fifty starts at just under seven thousand. So you're at uh, around I don't know. Let's say a little less than a thousand dollars difference, which may not sound like a lot to some people, or it may sound like a lot to some people if they're familiar with manufacturing. Um, but one way, of course, we did that was by reducing the number of available options. And that, you know, that translates into man hours or people hours, pinstriping, polishing, uh, adding different options and upgrades. You know, that's just, there's just, a, there's some math you can do there with the number of, the amount of labor that goes into it. The other thing, which actually may be more significant, is the our ability to, in our own little way, streamline the production and hold inventory. So by offering a limited number of colors, for example, the, the primary color, which would be, if you look at a Halcyon, it's the main color of the bike, tank, fenders, airbox, headlight bucket. We That's only available in black and cream. Um, so sort of a little Henry Ford... Uh, uh, production. That's right. There. Any color you want, as long as it's black, right? Yeah. Well, at least we give off. We give one more color than Ford did, but right. um, but and then one pinstripe option. And right. of course, you know that that that's great because it, you know it, it limits the the amount of work, but much more significantly, it means that we can streamline that. We can hold inventory and reduce our you know cash on or increase our cash on hand by having. By having that, and that is just that's not to be underestimated. If you're familiar with manufacturing, that that's really one of the things that's allowed us to do this. Um, and so, I'm really excited about it. This is just—it's really been a kind of a breath, breath of fresh air in the shop to be able to open up this to get that price down a little bit because that is that is probably you know well not probably that's one of the top uh, complaints we get you know is that you know two fifty you know I can get three. Sportsters for that. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I that I wanted to point out to the people that are listening is that difference. Um, just to clarify, the Delta, the price difference between uh, Halcyon, the way that you were selling it last year, and the Hel- the Halcyon Origin is fifteen hundred dollars. 
Now, $1,500 to, um, here's what my experience with American motorcycle shoppers is. They can't leave their damn hands off of something. They're going to change it. They want to tweak on stuff. They want to wrench on something. And especially when we're talking about a single cylinder, you know, we sell a lot of TNT 135s, small displacement motorcycles. People always want to mess with stuff. And your motorcycle is perfect for that. And giving somebody a base model, no, like the joke that uh, Tom was saying today, nobody's ever left an exhaust system on a Harley Davidson. And the new Sportsters, the exhaust systems look like they're designed to be taken off, right? So <laughs> yep. your idea of putting just enough exhaust system on it to sell it to the customer. And yeah, is that going to get changed out pretty quick? Yeah, I'll bet you it is. But that guy's got $1,500 now to play with making that bike yes. into his bike. Yeah. And so that you, what you, that's a great point. You're bringing up basically the second part of the story um, really gets to the name origin too. Um, the idea that so many of our customers, well, the, one of one of the benefits of what we do is that we offer so many different options. We kind of compare ourselves sometimes to Morgan cars, mm-hmm. the crazy English cars that have, they have even more options than we do in some ways. Um, but there's just a, 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 it's rare that we see two bikes leave the shop identical because of the number of not just paint options, but the number of things you can add. And typically we add those at the factory. Um, but what we've done with the origin line is we've, we're really kind of leaning into this idea that this is something that people can build out over time and you can add your own things. And, you know, Janice, we offer a lot of different uh, upgrades, especially for the Halcyon 250. Um, we're coming out with a whole lot more for the 450 right now, but you can, instead of packaging this all into one big purchase, you could spread that out over some birthdays or a vacation present to yourself. Or, uh, there's oddly enough, there's a, there is actually an aftermarket, uh, for Janus motorcycles, even as small as we are, you can put different exhausts on them, tail lights, cylinder kits, cams. Um, there's a, there's a potential for you to do a lot of these after the fact. Um, I have ridden Chris's bike. So I've ridden Chris's bike when it was in version 1.0, version 2.0 and version 3.0. Right. And I can absolutely, yeah. And I can absolutely tell you that the difference that you can get out of this push rod, uh, you know, we just call it, I'm not wrong for just saying like in a generic term, I'm calling your bike a push rod 250 leaf on motor. Um, it's the, 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 the same Leafine also is probably the most famous manufacturer of this motor. Yeah. Right. And so I guess that's just my generic term. Like a lot of people will misuse the words GY six when they're talking about certain scooter motors, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. using, using it as sort of a Kleenex, uh, anachronism kind of deal, but riding Chris's bike in all three ways that it is presented, uh, it's been presented to me. I've got to say, yes, there is absolutely an aftermarket world for the Halcyon. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it does lend itself to tuning. And I can also see people buying this Halcyon Origin and not putting things on, but taking things off. Because you're yep. not giving people a stripper bike. The bike that's coming out is still full fenders, full handlebars. Um, the bike, it, it's not rolling out with plastic fenders. It's not rolling out with, yeah, you know. That's a really good point you make. I mean, that, that that's something that we, we, we stress with folks is that one of the we thought about when we were coming out with this, like what, you know, obviously you think, what can we remove? And, you know, fenders are definitely something that you consider, uh, different things like that. And, and, and that's one of Matt 
pet peeves is motorcycles without fenders. I'm like, it's not a bike if it doesn't have the ability to ride in the rain or do all that kind of stuff. So we've left these things. It is structurally the same bike as a, uh, you know, classic Halcyon 250. It's just essentially at this point, finish things and, and options or upgrades that are removed. The standard bike is exactly the same. It's a full motorcycle. These are hand-formed steel fenders made by us right here. Um, everything is there. Uh, so that's a really good point. I want to see a more fender version. Yeah. I mean, like, like a fully enclosed <laughs> fender, like a you know an old Indian. John uh, Mecklefresh was just saying that he wants to see something like a swoopy fender, like an Art Deco fender. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, an Indian style, a chieftain style uh, fender to, to really, you know, to really sell that out. But what I think is funny is, uh, do you know, when we look at your motorcycle and, you know, there's this $1,500 price delta between the way that you could buy the bike as a Halcyon 250 non-origin and then this $1,500 price point. But you know what's funny is if I were to look at the Halcyon, the, the way that you were selling the bike before, there were probably four or five items that I would have put on the bike to build it out for me personally, right? Mm-hmm. Which would have raised the price of that eighty-four ninety-five bike considerably higher, right? Uh, yep. And with your origin program, I'm paying $1,500 less, but I can still cherry pick those six items that I yes. really want. And I yes. did that for just a little thought experiment at the shop. And I took the bike as your old platform Halcyon and said, okay, these are the six items I want to have on my bike. And not like Chris's bike. Chris's bike is a prom queen. That is like, that's like, it's, it somehow went from being a military motorcycle to a military parade motorcycle, right? Yep. And so I would have a little bit of a different flavor on mine, but because of the origin platform having a starting out point $1,500 less, it actually makes my overall build cost about $1,500 less but I still end up with the exact perfect bike that I would have ordered anyway. And that yeah, can only I mean, be done because example. of this. Yeah. I can only yeah, do it that way. A good example of that would be like if someone, you know, they want, they want a, a bone stock one, but Hey, I, I want to add polished fin, you know, um, uh, engine fins or a headlight visor, or that's the one, that's my sticking point is I want this thing. Now you, this actually opens up the range of options that you have to be able to build your bike exactly the way you want it from scratch. And that, again, I think that's, that, that really, the hardest part for me of the whole project was not like saying what we we're going to remove, but it was, what are we going to call this thing? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the origin line, uh, was a kind of like a group effort. I, I won't claim uh, total, total, uh, origination for that, but that, for me, that actually was the hardest part. But, it, but yeah, I think that that was, you were able to capture that idea of the, this is the this is a starting point for you to build your customized Janus motorcycle, and the only thing that maybe would, would that it would limit you, let's just say, if you're going to do this, is maybe you wanted to have double pinstripe or two different colors of pinstripe or a polished tank. That's going to be a little harder for you to do after the fact. Yeah, but exactly. As far as like book racks and tool rolls and fender, you know. Uh, different headlights or whatever, stuff like that. All those options and upgrades are now something that you can choose on at a later date. And even up to the, to the, um, the other thing that, uh, one way we saved, uh, the lowered the cost was reducing the warranty. However, uh, you know, we have, we start off with a four year, the, so the classic two hundred and fifty, 
has a four-year standard fender-to-fender unlimited mileage warranty, which I believe is an industry standard. Yeah, that's cocky. else offers that. Could you yeah. order a whole body set? <laughs> we stand behind them. But Could you order a whole new body set if you wanted? Warranty. Now, at any point you up until your warranty expires, you can extend <clears> that <throat> for 200 bucks. A year. Yeah, that's. So, I mean, that's that's fantastic. Uh, Mecklefresh has got a question for us. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, can you could you order a, a new set of bodywork, tank, side panels? Could you buy that from you without buying the whole bike? I'm, I'm sorry. What was the whole? What question? he's asking is if you can order a set of bodywork a la carte. Can you just you know? Can you just straight up? Can John call you up and order? You know, black with a double pinstripe and gold. One hundred percent. Absolutely, and what we just what we've just launched. You all mentioned uh, some Art Deco fenders, and we we just launched uh, ducktail fenders, which there you go. Flare at the yeah. back. So not only so that, you can order you can order your Art Deco. We're gonna have a lot. Of, we already had a lot of customers that are basically just buying another set of fenders, same color, same pinstripe with this feature. So yeah, you can swap all that stuff out if you want. It's just gonna be a little. That's kind of a bigger investment uh that's a more expensive upgrade because you're getting obviously a hand-formed body work that's been hand pinstriped and you know because we've been talking you know for many years now since before even chris got his we've been talking about your products and it's fascination even back to the 49 cc days uh, kind of a fascinating thing because what you guys are doing is you're a cottage industry you're a bunch you're you're some guys that wanted to do it put it together and made it happen um, to me, the cost isn't offensive to me because this would never be, okay, this is my only motorcycle. Um, this is going to be my distinguished gentleman's ride bike. This is going to be my, you know, certain applications. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Chris has got a whole lot of bikes and he rides this bike more than I think a lot of guys that own, uh, Janus bikes or what we call like the, the prom queen bike or the DGR type bike. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's a very, very cool project. I think it's something that that we all respect. Uh, the price tag is kind of secondary when you get into the amount of passion and the care that you guys are taking in this product. And initially, yeah, that sticker shock factor, people have softened on that. Mm -hmm. Do you know, do you know how many bikes, how many of your products were at the Cleveland DGR last year? I have no idea. How many? Chris, how many were there? There were three. That's a surprisingly <laughs> high concentration for a hand-built yep. motorcycle, right? Yeah, when you think we have about, I don't know, at this point, 1,600 bikes around the world at this point. That's the total number of Janus bikes out there. Yeah, I got to say, that's pretty incredible. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, I, I did notice that you, do, you definitely do have a certain target market, though. I... These guys, when these guys were standing in a row, we couldn't tell them apart. Not the bikes, <laughs> the guys. Uh, so that's Does, it. Chris match that? Oh, Chris, match Chris, Chris was, yeah, he was in fine company. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, they could have been the same, t- the same team. So pretty cool though. I, it's really, really neat. I, I do appreciate taking, you taking the time to, to reach out. Um, is there anything we haven't hit on yet that you want, a message you want to make sure people get? Because... You know, Chris is your best unpaid uh, hype man over here in Cleveland. Uh, he's taken he's taken people that I was trying to sell a Vespa to and just hijacked the whole ordeal. Uh, I thought we were going to have to order a Janus for him, but the he's really good at it because he's passionate about it, and we all like that. You know, we feel strongly about it too. Uh, he puts his money where his mouth is. He rides his bike. The 
Is there anything you want to make sure gets out there? Oh, man, I, I, I think you all have done a great job. I guess uh, one take on it, I would just say that, that maybe this, I haven't really said before, but is that what you're seeing here, you know, price point and uniqueness and the customers, all the things that you've mentioned, what you're seeing is what it takes to make, to be a, a motor vehicle manufacturer from scratch today in a, in, in, on this scale. Um, it's, it's not easy. And to do it, you really, we, we've chosen a route of, you know, finding a really different niche. And like you said, this is often one tool in our customers' uh, toolbox. But they, you know, it's, it's very frequent. You know, a lot of our customers have a Ducati, a BMW, a Harley, whatever else. And they, they can, this is a, one other tool in their toolbox. The other end of the spectrum is we have a lot of new riders that just want something that's they've never seen themselves as a as a motorcyclist and they want something different. But uh, yeah, I would just say you know this is a this is like uh, it, it's, it's a team of twenty people working in an old building in downtown Midwest building something, and some of the byproducts of that is yeah, it's going to be a little more expensive than you know just scale makes it uh, come out this way. But you also get a lot of uh, soul and story and. It's a lot of fun to both build them and to uh, to, to own one. So absolutely, I really having me on. Uh, Chris has Chris got a question. Chris, go ahead, fire away. And you can relate this. Anytime I've had a question. End of the mic. Anytime that I've had a question about the uh, about the Janus, I can call their phone number. Yeah. And somebody picks up the phone and answers a question. And yeah, Chris it, is commenting that he's had one to one connectivity. He can call you. He can pick up the phone, call you, get an answer to a question right away. That's responsive. Uh, that's personal. Uh, that's what people expect from a bespoke product. To the to the people who listen to our podcast, you know Jesse James sold a hell of a lot of motorcycles, and not a single one of them was DOT compliant. Okay, Orange County Chopper sold a hell of a lot of motorcycles, and not a single one of them was NHTSA compliant. Right? What these guys have done is they've built a bike that is legal. It's not in yeah, some in weird California. Yeah, it's it's even it's even legal in California. Good luck doing that. Right. All these custom chopper shows where, you know, those street, uh, you know, pro stock, pro street style choppers, not a single bike that rolled out of those TV shows was DOT, EPA, NHTSA legal. Not one of them. Every single bike these guys are selling is a safe product. It's a product that's not waiting to kill you. And that ain't easy. And if and you it's think also it's a product that we're willing, we're willing to put a four year warranty on. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so if you think that's easy, try it yourself. These guys have actually put their money where their mouth was. Um, I got to say, if we tried, if you tried or I tried to build this motorcycle in our garage, pull off the same vintage board tracker look or vintage, uh, you know, touring bike look, you know, turn of the century motorcycle from back in the noughties or whatever. If we tried to do that, we couldn't do it at your price. We just couldn't. There's no way. And you're doing it with a warranty. You're doing it with parts support. And yeah. Once you get the elephant in the room and you acknowledge it, but you look at what it costs to build it or you look at what it costs to get it out to the people, it's not a bad deal. It's really not a bad deal. I think your origin idea is brilliant. I think that's great. Um, More power to you. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, great, man. Well, I'll let you go to bed or take care of your kids or do whatever you're going to do right now. (laughs) We're going to drink some more drinks and uh, talk some more shit. (laughs) Sounds great. All right. Thanks, man. Catch you later. Cheers. Cool. All right, there you go. Yeah, that was great, and uh, that's that's a really interesting thing 
because now you know we've got somebody in our group chris has got one yeah and we've all got to experience it and check it out we kind of feel like in the cleveland moto stable of weird bikes that we have that certainly is one of them right that's yeah. that's part of the weird well here. as much as much uh grief as mackle fresh especially has given him about the janus I just like the name. Yeah. Yeah, we all I like the name. I don't think it's And I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like being singled out for that. But uh, that's, oh, fair. that's fine. That's, that's fine. Fair. But after, after, talk, after looking at the, at the Royal Alloy this morning and talking to you about the GTS and everything else side by side, mm -hmm. this makes a lot of sense. Do you so, know what's funny, though, is it might be the perfect smokescreen. If you don't want somebody to talk about your single-cylinder pushrod engine, yeah. call it the Butthole 250. <laughs> And everyone's going to focus on the name Butthole 250. Nobody's going to talk about the push rods or the 6,500 oh. RPM or whatever. They're just going to focus on the name. So maybe it's just the most brilliant thing ever uh, to, to, to give it a name. But we also understand the Roman origins of the oh, name. Oh, yeah. And the idea is great. And they do. They do. I'm not, I, like I said, I, ever since the first time I saw one, they do look really, really Dude, cool. Dude, the 450 is a different bike. Like, and we really just have the really nine-year-old yeah. mentality. That's yeah, exactly. All. The 450 yeah. is That's, that's, biggest, that's like, been that's our biggest hang-up pretty... on it. It's just we're all children. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, definitely. The 450cc I, I bike riding, is... I liked riding Chris's bike. Okay. I rode it up and down the street. It was amazing. Everybody laughed. A guy stopped, chased me down the street in his car, rolled down the window to ask me what it was. But I have look, not ridden anything. How fun in, is that? Exactly. If, it I haven't that hasn't happened in years. How dangerous is that? Exactly. <laughs> Sleepy, <laughs> what were you saying? I was just gonna say, like, compared to what it looks like on the website, when you actually look at it, like look at it in this picture. It's, it doesn't look anything like it did on the website. It's like fat. It's thick. Oh yeah. Like the four fifty in particular. Well, Chris, yours is the two fifty yeah. or the four fifty? Mine's a two. Okay. Yeah. The uh the the four fifty Definitely has the chunkier look to it. Oh, yeah. You know, everything about it's a little thicker, a little beefier. It does have the rear uh, suspension. The monoshock, yeah. Soft tail style monoshock that's what suspension. I was, that's what I was going to ask. Chris, you don't, have the, you don't have the suspension on yours, do you? It's a hardy. That's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. Yep. Yep. And this has that look of the chunkier Firestone style tires that you'd yeah, see on yeah, a military, yeah. military motorcycle or something like that when you look at the 450. I'm kind of digging that thing, man. Yeah, I, I, believe me. Chris, you, you've converted us all now. You're not the only one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I do think it's the kind of thing where, yeah, okay, just, just you know, we're going to push the price out of the way for a second because believe me, if we were talking about an arch or we were talking about, like he said, a confederate, yeah, uh, you know, 60, oh, 80, 90,000 dollars. Oh yeah. No, no. Uh, a brand new Harley Davidson CVO ultra is at 60,000 bucks. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. That's, that's right now. That's not, I didn't, that's not a bike that they built just for you. Yeah. That's not the one they hired Jesse James and Arlen Ness to team up on and build oh, for his own celebrity. That's the bike. No options the way it comes out of the factory. Well, no options. It's all the options. But it is a $60,000 platform. That's why the boom in trailer parks happen. These dudes are buying bikes and they can't afford houses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could very well be. Yeah, man. I mean, Because, dude, um, go to Ohio Bike Week, yeah. and there's less teeth, and there's still CVOs and EVOs and right. every fucking yeah. $50,000 Harley you All the little seen. baby VOs. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's something to be said for rednecks with paychecks kind yep. of thing. You know? It is. Got, and they will and make might not have any decisions. teeth, but he's, he's got, got a good a roofing job and he makes good money. You know, hey, look, I'm not dogging this. I've seen a lot of nice. Section Eight houses with ninety thousand dollar car in front of it. Yeah, yeah but Grandma right. really wanted a Mercedes. Yep. Now back to the Garage Brood Motorcycle Show. Oh yeah, the Garage Brood Motorcycle Show. I think this is something I want to spend a little bit of time on. Uh, the reason I want to bring this up, the reason I want to talk about it, is 
These are our friends down in Cincinnati. I'm going. Uh, Ryan Geist Brewery. Um, this is Kurt Edwards and all of his posse. Yeah. This is a good group of people. I find damn. zero complaint. I find no reason that you shouldn't go to this thing and just have a damn good time. Uh, Plus, Hostick's probably got some insider information because he worked at the place. You so. know he's thick on the walls there. You can't walk <laughs> through that place without getting his DNA on you. I know. Right? That's a fact. Yeesh. Uh, yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is... I, I think it's going to be a blast. Me that's, too. That's the one that Greg got his mini bike picked for too, right? Yep. Greg's, yeah. Greg Castillo's motor, mini bike will be there. Yeah, Some of our friends' there. motorcycles will be there. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. To, I want to want to go down and check it out. Um, for us, it's not that bad. It's about a four hour drive tops. Yeah. And, and then we can hop over to Costco and you know get liquor, liquor that we can't get here. For the people that want to literally go across the bridge into Kentucky <laughs> and do liquor shopping, you can go across the bridge into Kentucky and do some liquor shopping. Uh, nothing wrong with that. If you're so inclined, there's also a lot of cool shit to do in Cincinnati, and it's a great way to have a little mm. one-day trip. Go down the shows on Saturday, February 3rd, and then Sunday, you can just go fuck around or whatever, you know. I'm sure there's lots of fun stuff to do in Cincinnati. Mm. <laughs> uh, I won't be going to the zoo. I'll probably be going somewhere else, right? Uh, but I will make a, pre- a brief pilgrimage to go down there and check it out, because uh, I'm excited. It's always a great event. The space is massive. The guys do a beautiful job artistically putting the bikes on display because they're cool. I mean, the people that run it put their heart and soul into the damn thing. And uh, I've not seen it be bad ever, but it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger every damn year. It's a lot like the Portland show, the Portland One show that John and I went to. It has a similar vibe, but just not as not as massive. What the hell? Is somebody dropping a wolf bait over there again? <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Jesus Christ. So is this somehow, uh, is it kind of like Fuel Cleveland? It is. Yeah, it is. So I think one of the the best ways to put it about in comparison to Fuel Cleveland is uh, Fuel Cleveland can be big. Fuel Cleveland can also be like, this is our area for everybody. Mm -hmm. And Fuel Cleveland tends to be in the summertime. Whereas this is more by invitation. And your, boat, your bike will be voted. Your bike will be judged. So um, winning or getting an award at this thing is a big deal. And, you know, it's the time of the year, too. I don't know that we're going to see 250 bikes in the parking lot. Yeah, right. Right? Just based on the weather, right? But uh, at Fuel Cleveland, the show, inside the show is the show, but then the show in the parking lot is also the show. And, uh, but I'm sure there'll be some assholes out in the parking lot burning tires off and all kinds of good stuff, too. So we like those assholes. Cincinnati tends those to be our people. 15 to 20 degrees warmer sometimes than us. So Absolutely. Might be Look, able to get away with it. Hey, today we were at 42 degrees, and on Monday we're going to be 12, mm-hmm. right? Well, so that's just part of what we Single digits at night. Is like that the deal? Eight. Yeah, it drops about 20 from the time you hey, got buddy. It. It's, it's Ohio. We all know how it works. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, <laughs> not yet. there's other places. <laughs> I'll find out. Yep. You're going to get a good taste in the next week. <laughs> if you don't uh, like it, there's other places you can live. Oh, well, no. Uh, ice. Be, ice. Racing, ice, ice, yeah. Racing. I mean, yeah. so I want their crap. I, not gonna get Phil's bike running again. I want the change <laughs> to be more sudden and violent. I want it to be Halloween. Halloween is over. Snow, snow. Yeah, I agree. I just want the snow. I don't want the cold. Right. Give me twenty-five degrees with snow. Yeah. Twenty-five to thirty-two degrees. I can ski. I can race my motorcycle on the ice. I can do all that. Cool winter shit. Yeah. But this dicking around yo-yo crap yeah, for I, nobody. I was promised snow. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> oh, you're great. gonna get it. I drove through it on the way here. Yeah. The problem is, is we're, we're supposed gonna... to go to Connie and it's like six to or eight to twelve inches is what they're yeah. expecting tomorrow. <laughs> That's what Peggy said. <laughs> oh no way. Nowhere near that. No, no, no. Oh, Doctor Waters is extremely excited about like we've bu- already booked. We go skiing and we've already booked some some time. But we used to book. I mean, yeah, global warming, right? We used to book in December. Oh yeah. And 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 rock it. Forget it. Not even upstate New York. Uh uh-uh. uh. Well, even Denver. Yeah, they're my money. friend that lives in Denver. Yeah. They just opened the like the big peak or like their big number oh. six or whatever like yeah. this week, which is like that's two and a half months behind usually. I checked. Skiing's bad in a lot of places. I went to the Peak and Peak website and they're mm-hmm. like. Peak and Peak, now open. And I go and check how many runs. Four runs. Yeah, I was going to say the absolute minimum number of runs. Uh, nobody in the nobody in our part of the world makes as much snow as Holiday Valley does. They, yeah. they, you know, God love these guys in New York. They build their own lifts from the ground up, and they make their own snow. And nobody makes more snow than that place. And they've been, like, out of 20-some runs, they've been, like, 16 runs open for a while. But I don't like skiing on corn. Piper and I are going February 11th. There you Ski go. Ski club trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great for you. It's going to be fantastic. I'd take a mountain bike just in case. <laughs> just in case. Just to be sure. <laughs> are you going to Holiday Valley or Peak and Peak? Holiday Valley. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rad. I, I was like, like Seven Springs. I want to hit Peak and Peak that because. That's always good. Mm-hmm. Like if I go up to the house at Kanye, yeah. Peak and Peak's like an hour from It's an hour so away. Oh, really? We could go ski and then come back to the house. They're so sneaky at Peak and Peak. They have a billboard on the freeway. That says if you went to Peak and Peak, you'd be there by now. Yeah, because you're on your way to Holiday Valley. You have to drive back past Peak and Peak sign, right. which is get off at this exit to go to Peak and Peak. And they're rubbing it in that oh oh you want to go to visit the guys in New York? Cool, it'll be another hour and a half. Right, <laughs> enjoy I mean, that extra hour and a half with I'm, crabby kids. It's becomes it's so expensive to go skiing. I really can't justify going to Brandywine or no. because. For the money, I mean, thirty bucks I, more go to New York, or, or yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll drive to. I mean, it might be two hours, but it's just worth taking that. So much better skiing, yeah. If you're going to spend hundreds of dollars, and yeah, yeah it's the Cleveland Moto Ski Report. <laughs> yeah, happy to have you. Like when the lift, when you're on the lift, like eight times as long as the <laughs> run takes, <laughs> probably not the best place you want to go. Correct. Um, I will tell you that as a guy who's been skiing since I could walk upright, yeah, that a high speed quad or a high speed six pack chair when it's going so fast they have to slow it down for you to get on mm-hmm. but when you're boogieing and you look down at the you look down at the train and you're like we are moving and then i go out west and the uh lifts have uh aerodynamic bubbles mm-hmm. <laughs> that go over your fucking torso because wind chill at those elevations is serious oh yeah and you're gonna be on that lift for maybe 15 20 minutes oh yeah it's a real deal you're going a mile and a half up the hill basically yeah yeah Yeah. i've been on ones where i had to go from one ski lift to a gondola to another ski lift yeah and then you're like that adds up and then some of those ones in europe you're paying per trip yep yeah i remember expensive i was on the akron U ski team and we went to whiteface mountain for a thing and there's nothing scarier than like you're on a lift to the peak and as you're on it they close the peak so like you're the last people what? because it's too windy it's too fucked up but you're already halfway up there so now you got to ski down and you like, have no option now. Yeah, yeah 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 this is what you're doing yep wow yeah that's fun that's they're cool. like it's closed for everybody else but you guys you're gonna be you're, you're gonna you're be, gonna be fine, just fine i promise yeah. you yeah i promise you i've been to places where they groom it they need winches to pull the snow cat up yeah. and you're like that's impressive yeah that's impressive. I'm going to go down that later when I'm drunk. 
There's a, a little place in Pennsylvania called Blue Knob. I, yeah, you, we know Blue Knob. And there's not many lit runs or whatever, but the two are double black diamonds. Double black diamonds. And there's yeah. two shoots that just cross over. One is moguls the whole way down, and the other one is just like a like a funnel. And if you fall down, you're going to you and everything is going to the bottom one it's way a yard or another. Sale. Totally yard <laughs> sale. Yeah. Like, That's all like, it is. One's an ice <laughs> shoot and one's moguls. Which way do you want to die? Uh, you know, for uh, for us in the wintertime, we start like, okay, we're either going to work on bikes. Our service department has turned into this bizarre archaeological dig. <laughs> uh, Tom's coming out of there at least twice a day. Tom's coming out with a piece going, oh, yeah. Phil, do you know what this is? Yeah. I, I do know what that is, Tom. Do you know how long it's been since they made one? <laughs> well, Tom, if I told you, that would admit that I'm old. <laughs> Uh, Tom, I can tell you when I bought it. Yep. And Tom's posting pictures on the internet of inventory I own from companies that don't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, that 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 Scobo picture was really funny. Shit that doesn't exist. I think that I think about five years after I moved to New Orleans, it uh, Scobo dissolved. I'm going to tell you something about me as a business owner. I'm not afraid to order parts. Oh yeah, (laughs) I have never been afraid. Tom gives me a parts order and he's like, I need two Triumph carburetor rebuild kits fuck you you're getting six yep we don't order two of anything well the, the good thing is is that you have three t100s in the shop all of which need carb rebuild yep, kits absolutely and then i have mine mine in yep. the garage it's going to need a rebuild kit anyway so you might as well go ahead you're right it's a t100 assembly line oh, now yeah. at the shop oh That's yeah fine um we're our elder our, our ambassador the our ambassador moto Guzzi ambassadors are turning into moto Guzzi eldorados yep. from they're hanging around too long no kidding that was, uh, that apparently is a, a motorcycle hung around in my shop so long it gained 100 cc's and an extra gear <laughs> How the fuck does that happen? I know I bought an ambassador. I, and, and Tom comes out and says, I think it's an Eldorado. Well, it's it's got a 73 date stamp on it, and it's got a 74 the listing. The red thing? The red yeah. thing. Yeah, the thing, the thing that looks like yeah. it was painted by a nine-year-old. And it doesn't have the, yeah. it doesn't have the crisscross, tra- crisscross uh, transmission. Again? So. Again? Weird. <laughs> this, my shop is not a normal place of business. <laughs> no, not by a not. long shot. Uh, not, not even close. I'm I'm picking and pulling frames. I'm just. It's know. weird. It's just so weird. Yeah, we are going to be looking for a shop monkey though. Mm. Tom needs his very own shop monkey. Yeah. So if you've got an 18 to 25 year old person in your life, that or a Kapuchkin, I would take a Kapuchkin. Take a Kapuchkin. Uh, but I think if you've got an 18 to 25 year old person in your life who's mechanically inclined and wants to make, and we pay fair. We we do pay fair, and. Uh, but if they want to be around motorcycles and scooters and shit, and, and they want to, like, really understand... And learn all the good curse words. Yep. <laughs> what about, like, an older British man, like an you know, Elf- Alfred? You could use an Alfred you in know? the shop. Okay. Uh, if they make John? good... That'd make good tea. Hey, Are John. You, uh, Tom, what do you think if I move this over here for you? I'm going to just <laughs> spruce up the shop a bit. He's, he's an expert in, like... No, no problem, Tom. Like bathtub I'd like triumphs. to get that for you. <laughs> His last, his last job was taking care of the Zulus. Uh, but we had a fella come in before Tom showed up. And uh, he's a British. Before you know it, he's carved out a bat cave underneath there just for you. And you're like, that would be great. Thank you, Alfred. <laughs> and he's a secret, like, you know, you know the Queen's Guard. SAS. Yeah, SAS, yeah, yeah, SAS service. Yeah. Uh, this fella came into the shop. And he's same. You know, he's, this guy was in his mid-60s. And he said, you know, right, I've, I've, uh, I'm a certified Aprilia mechanic. I'm a certified Motoguzzi mechanic. I'm a certified Ducati mechanic. And uh, I've worked at a Vespa shop. And, you know, 
came over here to the States and my wife's got the good job and I'm basically looking for something to do. And I'd like to come in and, you know, maybe turn wrenches for you. And I was like, oh. and I thought, well, you know, I don't ever, I don't ever like to lead people down a primrose path, right? Just fucking get it out of the way. Rip the bandaid off real fast. So I walked him back to the service department. That fucker lasted about three seconds. <laughs> he took about a 180 degree turn in my shop back there. And he was like, sorry, I was mistaken. Yeah. That man worked in a shop, a shop that was clean, a <laughs> shop that he probably made clean, right? He worked in a shop where things were probably in their place because I've been in a few British motorcycle shops. They don't have 11,000 fucking square feet to stretch their legs. They don't have eight lifts and, you know, triple of every goddamn tool. They got one, and every morning they got to push 36 bikes outside so they can get to the cash register. And every night they got to push 36 bikes inside so they can lock the doors. Space is a commodity. Well, in Cleveland, space is cheap. We can afford to use lifts as workbenches mm. or storage shelves or whatever the fuck we got going on. But when this guy came back and he saw the state of my shop, he just realized he was in over his head. But wasn't that like just right after so-and-so left and before he got there? Right? That's the point. Well, that's oh, what I'm saying, but now oh, it's, it's not it's any been... better. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. <laughs> there are more bikes on lifts. It's different. It's different. Yeah. But we there, went it from, is still We went from having one lift and eight shelves to having seven lifts and L one Let me shelf. ask you, yeah. Did yeah. It, was the Japanese hearse sitting in there at the time? It might have been. No, no, it was out at the moment. Oh, yeah. That might have been a little bit off-putting. Yeah. For a little while, the hearse did live in the service department. But no, at the time, it was pretty straight ahead. But, you know, he's a, he was a funny guy because he came in and he knew, every, you know, he knew every bike we work on. Yeah. He's the only guy that walked into my shop, looked up and went, oh, Heinkel. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's ever fucking done that. Like I, Tom Bagel Donahue did that. I mean, I You have. don't count. <laughs> That's what everybody says. I don't count. The pervert can recognize the fucking pervert. That's it. You know, that's not surprising. <laughs> and, but, ba yeah. and Bagel recognized. Of course, Bagel recognized it. He's, he taught me about him. Yeah. Right. Exactly. He, he's, he introduced me to Heinkel's. So, <laughs> but it was just a funny thing to see that, that instant look of shock in his face about realizing like, I think I'm going to go and then get a job. He probably told his wife, I'm going to go and then get a job. And she probably said, oh, you go do that. And then he came back and said, things are different here. <laughs> that's and I, I just like, yeah, all right. And I don't feel like it was the one that got away because he never would have been happy. Well, I, I, like, I, did you explain that like all the the Vespa parts and stuff aren't customer stuff? They're just your collection. Like maybe he thought those were all just jobs. Oh, waiting those are jobs waiting to happen. The forty-seven Vespa frames <laughs> yeah. were literally work to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom so he, got here first. First day, Tom's like, "Oh, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that." And I was like, "November, December, January, yep, February. Yep, you're working on paying jobs now. Yep, yeah. My shit don't pay. Yep." Yeah, you were going to save that until like, right. you know. Right now, actually. Until right now, actually, <laughs> honestly, that's it. Yeah, we actually had a real job come in today. A Moto Guzzi came in oh, for, God. for tires and stuff, you know. And it's a modern Moto Guzzi, a V9, yeah, yeah. like the whole deal. And he's one of our friends. He's Kurt Cousineau's brother, and it's cool. And it was like the strangest thing to have real work like, oh, coming right in. customer In January. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he rode in. He did. 
Wow. He's a legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a legit guy. He's he's. Not well, he picked the day because if it was any time after five today, he would have been fucked. Oh, when I told him he's going to come and pick his bike up tomorrow, he said, "The fuck I am. I'll see you in March." Yeah. <laughs> he said this job includes winter stores. <laughs> I said you will be billed accordingly. Oh, cool. Yeah. Now he's a sweetheart. Yeah, the guy's a great guy. Yeah, no, it's because uh, I came out and I was like, yeah, I got this motor just about built out of all the spare parts yeah. I found because I got I literally got tired of kicking that motor across the floor, so I rebuilt it. <laughs> it's. There is, there are few people that are qualified to walk in. If I were to die, there are few people that are qualified to walk in there and actually put a tag on everything, mm-hmm. right? There, there, there might be seven or eight in America that could walk in there and go, that's a that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the problem. And I may have said it before. It's way easier to buy shit than to sell shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is almost fucking... It is You're the talking easiest to a thing. table of people that oh, have yeah. that. Yeah. We're all, we're all yeah. nerds. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. there's been, a, I don't know if you've seen it today or not. There's a picture, a couple of pictures for a sales going on that was like Vespa of Savannah closed down like 10 years ago. And there's yep. this whole thing. It's, and like all the nerds I love are how, like, I love how oh, they're no, that's like, that's not worth $45,000. That was a Vespa shop that went out of business, a shop we are, yeah. that we know about ages ago. But all the shit that was in that shop came out of one other guy's garage. Yeah. So the guy that was running Vespa Savannah was like, ooh, I found it in a giant parts stash of you know all this cool shit, and I bought it all. So the guy that he bought it from is still in the community, and we're all <laughs> friends with him. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's all my old shit. Yep. He's like, oh, it just moves. That's and it. And everybody's like, oh, it's not worth $45,000. i am sitting there pricing all the stuff out. Like, yeah, it comes to about twenty to thirty-five. If these vintage motorcycles were herpes, we would have developed the super yep. mega strain of herpes by now because we've actually given it back and forth to each other several <laughs> times. They're uh, old motorcycles. When we go to AMA Vintage Days and shows like that, John and I can vin- visit oh, motorcycles yeah. we used to own. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. funny. The guy rolls by past our booth and he's like, Hey, man, anybody interested? And I was like, no, I wasn't interested when I sold it three years ago. <laughs> right? And look, look at you. You found it. Yeah. That's great. So it is, a, it is a funny, weird, incestuous thing we got going on. It's, a, it's fun. We like it. Uh, a little bit of news, because we, we did promise it's Sometimes. a motorcycle podcast. Yep. Harley Davidson has introduced a very strange recall. Uh, it doesn't seem right to me, but I'll read it just for the fuck of it because we like recalls around here. We believe that motorcycles should at least... If we can't be safe, the motorcycle should be, right? If I'm going to be a fuck nugget, at least give me a chance. Like, don't blame the motorcycle for the failure of the death involved. Um, National Highway Tra- Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA if you're nasty. Uh, 2023 FLHXSE and... The rule with Harley-Davidson's is the more letters, the more money. Um, that means CVO Street Glide. So that means a Street Glide for people with too much money. Uh, it's susceptible to instability at speeds over 100 miles per hour. Now, I know a lot of other motorcycle companies might say, shouldn't have been going that fast anyway. You were obviously an illegal use of the product, right? Because people will only warranty things for the legal use of their product. If you're trying to put a 300 blackout round into your 556 rifle and she blow up, there's no warranty expressed or implied because you put the wrong bullet in it, dumbass. Uh, in this case, Harley Davidson, there is a recall. This is due to an extremely sensitive engine control module, or in Harley's words, on certain model year 2023 Street Glide CVOs, the overall combination of front end mass stiffness 
and inertia does not enable the desired vehicle performance at speeds greater than 100. Oh. You know, every single one of these jokes writes itself, it so I'm just going to let it go. Right. <laughs> we, couldn't get, we couldn't get it stiff enough, and she don't go that fast, right? Uh, I like it. It's in Harley's words. The fact that they, anybody goes to the trouble of saying in Harley's words <laughs> is that's them just defending themselves, man. That's all it is. Look, we tuned the suspension for a 300-pound guy to max it out at 75. Wait. with an. Oh, that's not the one you were looking at there. Scroll though. back up to that picture of the CVO. Yes, sir. So that's their 2023. They spent all that money. Oh, no. And they did all that just to make a 1980 fucking uh, BMW. R100 RT. Look at it. Just the whole same part. The front end does resemble that remark. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is. that is <laughs> not, well, not the whole fairing, well, it's but at more least. Of like, a, yeah, well, that's, that. that's kind of a bat wing, though. Yeah. It's more of a bat wing because that's. <laughs> that's a bit more spread out. I'm talking more of the light, though. Like, yeah. if you looked at that. Yeah, light, yeah. yeah I get it. The, no, uh, it's there. It's it's. I we don't ever try to. We're never going to pretend to be a Harley Davidson podcast. No. That's not what we do. That's what, not what we give a shit about. The point is, hurrah for Harley Davidson! You got a bike that goes 100 miles an hour. Good on you. Yep. Yeah. Good job, yeah. Harley Davidson. Fantastic. Say, it affects it, about none of right. them. It only took him 100 and years. And honestly, unlike the Dyna, it doesn't decide to go backwards at 80 miles an hour. <laughs> so that's cool, too. Well done. Well done. You as, win. Again, as much shit as we give it. Well, hey, so speaking Harley. of Harleys, last weekend, me and Dan went to uh, the Packard Museum. You did. And Tell us all about that. 26 Harley Davidsons, you know, all different kinds. I mean, because so, <laughs> it's the 120th anniversary? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, calling all of them museum quality bikes was questionable. Like there was a lot of cool ones. They're riders, runners. Yeah, yeah. things like Doers. that. But right. the 1905 Harley, that was pretty cool to see that thing in person and know that it runs. And like it has a mailbox for a gas tank. Like it literally opens from oh, the yeah. top and stuff. And I mean, like the fender stay had about two millimeters or, or I mean, back then, what did they call it? Like two shekels worth of like space between it and the, and the belt. I mean, it was just, it was neat. It was, the whole thing was kind of neat. And uh, you know there was cars and like, the whole the whole museum is it's a little gem like for ten bucks it's unbelievably how cool it was yeah it's actually very very dense with displays right yeah and well done stuff and and it's it's not so closed off where you don't feel like you're actually looking at stuff like you I've had a bike around. in the Packard before um, they were looking for something that I had and we popped it in there uh, it's a cool museum yeah it's a really really neat museum you get a chance to check that out if you're traveling only ten bucks to get in. It, they, it doesn't matter what they charge. Yeah, The fact, if they would have charged me 20 bucks, I still would have done it. And if they would have charged me $2 and there was a donation jar, I would have given them 20 bucks anyway. Right. Because they're doing the Lord's work. And I mean, it's amazing to see like that the one Packard they have in there. What, what was that red one? It was like a 1903 or something like that or 19. But like the chain yeah. was the width of my hand. Yeah. Each link was cotter pinned in. You mean the chain drive? The chain drive. The fact that we of the car in our day, yeah. we had trucks and cars that drove on chains, you so know, the, the size of my hand and the flywheel was like, I don't know, probably 300 pounds well, and, yep. or more when you have 13 horsepower. Yep. You need a 300 pound flywheel right. to move a 3,000 pound car. Yeah. So, yeah. so for those Pretty of you, cool. those, really those cool. of you listening that are under, we'll, we'll say 35 ish, Packard was a car. Oh, no, we're going to make them Google that shit. Okay. Yeah. No, no, they got to Google that shit. That is not my job to tell I you what realize, a Packard is. I, for some reason, I didn't realize yeah. how long Packard was around. Oh, yeah. Like, to me, I, I always thought Packard was like a well, 40s, they, 50s they car, lasted, but I had no idea they were like from the 
O's. But they lasted, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> from the O's. <laughs> they, they lasted until what, the AM, AMC started conglomerate buyout thing? Like it all got swooped up into AMC? Yeah. It's funny though, when you go back and you look at all that stuff, um, one of our customers, the Henry Ford Museum has spun out, uh, Ford Motor Company has spun out now in archives. And in their archives, they have all these electric vehicles. And many of the electric vehicles are not Fords. They're from companies like Baker here in Cleveland. Yep. And Baker built a lot of cars. And it's very funny when you, as we now are, everybody's very excited talking about electric vehicles. Well, electric vehicles were not rare in 1905 no. or 1919. They had a 100-mile range back then. They yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, they did. Now, hold on. That's at 21 miles per hour. Yeah. But still, that's what you well, needed it, to move around town. In, in New Orleans-style roads, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, a lot of places in 1918 Had, didn't have roads. And neither does New Orleans. Right. Yeah. I, you know, my grandfather. You weren't walking. Right. Damn straight. Well, that was the, that was the whole point. It was, you know, a nice, reliable little transportation. If I could, for one second, go back to the street glide, I had to actually look at this to make sure I wasn't wrong. Um, the street glide does, in fact, have a handlebar mounted bat wing fairing. And okay. that's asking a lot for a bagger at 100 miles an hour. That's never a good thing. That's right, John. <laughs> well, what was yeah, that? Is exactly I right, mean, John. I, I uh, do want I do want my aerodynamics to change at 100 miles an hour. The, I mean, one of I mean, just well, I want all my aerodynamics to be transferred into my steering device. Correct. Mm -hmm. right. So every little buffeting or anything like that Oof. is going to yeah. and. This is something, you know, for people that don't ride big, heavy bikes, uh, keep in mind, the more shit you put on the back of your KLR650 or your Africa Twin, the twitchier the front end gets. Oh, yeah. And so if you already have a, a pile of stuff on the back of your motorcycle and you then put a wind, uh, a sail or a rudder, on the front of it with a big old windshield on it and the whole deal. Yeah. Um, air flows a bitch mm. and the front end is going to try to correct. So, uh, an, a, a gyroscope will always try to correct itself. So when you get all those wind forces on the front of that thing and no dampening, yeah, you're going to have a problem, man. So yeah, don't, uh, don't go a hundred and don't go 101. Just keep it to 99. You might be okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about the best I can hope for there. Uh, AIM Expo. AIM Expo. Do you know what AIM Expo stands for? Uh, Anyone? No, the I, acronym? AIM? Automotive Industry Meeting. I don't know either. Okay? And the new, reason... New Chinese bikes for this year? No, are you no, kidding me? No, it's going to be one hundred percent Chinese bikes for this I year. Know. It's not. It's not going to be no Chinese bikes. No, it's going to be new. New. It's going to be all the, all Chinese the new bikes. Chinese bikes. It's going to be everything. There's going to be a Chinese bike. There's going to be a Chinese bicycle. There's going to be a stand-up snowboard, gasoline-powered. There's going to be chainsaw. There's going to be all the all the legitimate brands in one area, and there's going to be all the yeah, we can give you a container of those. It's uh, for just your shop. It's a bonkers thing. But here's what I do want to explain. Uh, Aim Expo, despite its hype. Uh, the AIM Expo used to be the Indianapolis Dealer Expo. And some of us in this room have been to the Indianapolis Dealer Expo, which was a 19-ring circus that took up all the buildings in Indianapolis for like 1,800 booths. And it, you had three days, you might cover it all. And there were about 150 different kinds of seminars happening. 
You could walk in there day one. I'm a motorcycle shop owner. After three days and 15 seminars later, you've been rubbing elbows with the best and the brightest. And you know some shit. Go America's ahead. International Motorcycle Expo. Bingo! America's International Motorcycle Expo. There you go. Uh, Power Sports Trade Show. It used to be a dick measuring contest between Dealer News Magazine and, and you know, motorcycle. And, and all of the countries will be represented. China. Right. And, mm-hmm. and China. This year they're bragging about their 16 different brands. Well, of course, uh, KTM is four of them. Motor Guzzi, <laughs> Aprilia, Piaggio, Vespa is four of them. So if you take away the multiple brands, I think there's actually five different brands that are truly independent uh, in booths there. Last year, I went to this thing in Vegas. Um, interesting things about it. Well, you know, it's, it's at the Las Vegas Convention Center. It happened to be there at the same time as like a video gaming cosplay convention, which was kind of cute. Ah. Uh, they have the Tesla underground tunnels happening. So you could get into a Tesla car that would not self-drive itself from your hotel over to the convention center. There but, was that, a but that caught on fire. Pilot in there. I didn't see any on fire. They were all fine when I rode them. Uh, however, they would just make loops all day long, all day long, all day long. So it's fun. But the whole event, the entire thing, if you're slow, and I, I mean moving slow, not not intelligent. No, I guess. It, I you can do that, it about three and a half hours. I was taking that personally. Yeah. It's the Cleveland International Motorcycle Show, the IX show that we've all done is about three times as big as this. Well, yeah, I remember when we went to the AIM when it was in Columbus. Right. And we got through it in two hours and we were partying. The Vegas one is one-third of the size of the Columbus one. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because the Columbus one was two separate rooms. And so what do you do for a whole week out there? Weekend? See, they're called casinos. It's called (laughs) training, marketing, and spending down your co-op money. Or your marketing money. You send a couple of members of your staff out to this some bitch. You put them up in the Aria Hotel or whatever the hell the, the hotel du jour is for you know a couple of hundred bucks a night. You got to feed them. And they go out and they look at the new bikes and they take pictures and they put them on their social media like I did last year. Mm-hmm. You interview some people like I did last year. And if you're lucky enough, your friends from the Motorcycles and Misfits are out there and you hang around and get drunk and go to fun things and do stuff. Now, they're not going to be there this year. They learned their lesson, huh? So I'm not going to be there this year. <laughs> Honestly, I can only chase my own tail so long. So uh, we're gonna. But Phil, I'm going to go to the Rheingeist. Uh, I'm going to go to the Rheingeist Brewing Company Excellent. instead. So yeah, because like uh, last year when you came back, what did you know? What did you feel like there was any information that you gathered there that you didn't already know before you left? No. Right. I mean, no. news. News going to be there. <laughs> what I will say is, <laughs> I did learn about Benelli and Kiwi spinning off of SSR. I learned about QJ. So I did learn about some stuff, but I could have learned about that in an email. Right. I didn't have to go to Vegas yeah, to learn it. And save a couple right. bucks. Exactly. Boom, boom's going to be there. So you can see the Vader. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can go see a Boom Vader. Boom right? Vader. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be all kinds of like, Vogue was there and they had like 18 versions of the same, basically 200 to 300 cc Chinese sport bike. Right. There's a lot of that. Oh, there's Bashan. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of that stuff. CF Moto's got a huge booth. CF Moto does have a huge booth. Uh, <laughs> last year they had a huge booth. Their booth is as big as actually I think their biggest bigger than Triumph. What's funny is the fourth or fifth hour after they open on whatever opening day is this year it's Tuesday, February sixth. Jesus Christ. Right? After their opening day, Tuesday, the next day when you come in, everyone has that look on their face like, Well, they told me to come. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you were here yesterday, right? Yeah, I was here yesterday. So why the fuck are you back today, man? Go Vegas. You yeah. know, go do Vegas. Go do Vegasy shit. 
There's no reason once you've been through it and you've seen your reps, basically for dealers, this is an opportunity to touch base with a guy that you buy a bunch of shit from and go, hey, that's right. Cool. And if you're lucky, they might throw a little sign up. It's like, oh, free beer for the next half hour or, you know, free pizza slices for the next 25 minutes over at the Chengshin booth or something. Yeah, that's what they do. It used to be legit. It used to be like I went to one where Kid Rock was there. Mm-hmm. I went to one where Tucker Rocky straight up had built a stage and fucking Kid Rock was there for the Thursday night meet and greet. Mm-hmm. And it was all you could damn well drink. Mm-hmm. And we did. Oh, yeah. No, the 2000s. I mean, Kid Rock was there. I'd probably not stop drinking. <laughs> the 2000s, were those shows were like yeah. legendary. Trade shows yeah. were crazy and shit. And then afterwards, like, yeah. all the guys that I was with would take over downtown and yeah. there'd be a whole like stunt show for like five hours. And oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. And there wasn't a strip club within 15 miles that wasn't infiltrated by the idiots from the motorcycle show. Oh, yeah. And many of the booths decided it would be fun to go hire the strippers to work as booth girls. So I'm not going to say who, they, who did this, but their name, their name rhymes with Farts Unlimited. Uh, <laughs> I That's went in there one time. Today. It's right they, over here to my right. They had a, <laughs> they had a two-story Truck booth that they tires. built inside a building. They built a two-story building inside a building yeah. with full DJ booths and the whole thing. And ladies that I could best be described as flexible <laughs> in every possible way working in that booth. Meanwhile, they didn't they, know they, much about motorcycles. They could have been yoga masters, man. They might have not been But they strippers. didn't know much about motorcycles. No, of course not. I asked them about my margin. I asked them about my buybacks. They were useless to me. Did you see? There's a there's a meme going around, or, or like a little video, and it's like when the when the uh, girl that's supposed to attract people go wrong, goes wrong, and she's your booth sh- babe. Yeah, and she's showing off a Firebird, and she's like, "Oh, look! It has four point six of those, and it has a turbolator, and here, and it's like the intake." And she goes, "When you see here, you can see how much turbo you're getting." From this, and like she's like doing this to a national news. And, <laughs> and by the way, they just told her when she got the job, they said, Don't say a word. Yeah, right. It was don't fucking amazing. say a word. <laughs> if somebody says something to you, put fingers on your lips and giggle. <laughs> That's what you do. I don't know if I ever got that job, I'd learn the turbo and cabulator uh, performance. Uh, yeah, yeah. The entire thing. That whole thing. So, so bad. Uh, what I will say about these events is it's really a good idea if you have the opportunity to. To drugs attend, before you go? Well, yeah, of course. Drugs? Obviously. <laughs> Lots of right? drugs. Um, usually, when in the old days, they would have three days of seminars, and all the seminars would be different, and you'd have to split up your crew. So I'd send Sleepy to this seminar, and John to that seminar, and Chris to that seminar. We'd all take notes, and at the end of the day, we'd meet back at the hotel room and, and share our notes so we could kind of have the experience the whole deal. And now that's pretty, you know, it's like the same three seminars all three days, right? But it is very funny when... You can tell the state of the industry by reading what the seminars are about. You don't need to go to the seminar. You just need to listen to what they're calling the seminar. So I'm going to tell you that navigating the future of thrills, chills, and economic spills. Oh, boy. What does that tell you? That's by the Motorcycle Industry Council, by the way. That's not Slappy's House of Ugly Scooters. That's the fucking big boys. That's MIC. MIC is calling their seminar. K-E-Y. Thrills, chills, and potential economic spills. Fuck, that's scary. Yeah. That's not right. How to attract and retain talent. Well, that's... That might be legit. Because we have a bit of a vacuum right now, guys. All right, that's it. Oh, yeah. All right. 
I think it's called money. <laughs> do you know what always scares money? me? No, no, that's that's not. Do you know money. what scares me? When we go back to this old trope, maximize every sale. The bike is just the start. <clears throat> F and I, PG and A. Dude, they had at that museum we were just at the Harley or the Packard Museum. Mm-hmm. In the back, they had a Packard like. A training film playing yeah. from the 1950s. Oh, cool! And the dude was literally like that. He's like, when a customer walks in, don't even let him ask about the options. Ask him if he's going to be ready to take one home today. Wow! You start the engagement. Assume like, the sale. Yeah, but it was in that yeah. like 1950s, yeah. like a new soon the saving. You know, it was awesome. Yeah. See, <laughs> here in the here in the Eastern Atlantic region, <laughs> we always talk a certain way. But dude, they almost talked like a different language in those things. Yeah. It was like it was like, and then when he gets there, what right. you want to do is get him in and sit down real quick. That was the that was the professional trade language sales of the day. Yeah, apparently that's, so, how, that's how they knew that you were there. You yeah. were clearly an experienced salesman. Right. But it was really interesting to see that they even back then they were like already analyzing like and, and making it like more of a psycholo- psychological can, experience of fucking people over all I can All I can think about is the Hudsucker proxy now. Thanks, guys. That's what it is. <laughs> and uh, another uh, symposium that they're having is protecting the business of your business put on by ABC Insurance Company brokers. All of these things are shills. Every single... <clears throat> in this particular instance, the Indie Dealer Expo, we knew the people doing the training. So I'd know, like, if you wanted to go talk to this guy, he'd give you good training. And almost no sales pitch, excellent training. When I see that the, um, that the program is hosted by somebody who's literally there to sell you a particular product, don't go to that one. Uh, it's probably not going to be great. So I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the floor map while you're, while you're talking about the seminars. Yeah. Moda Marini's booth. I'm not going to lie. It's <laughs> twice the size of Indian motorcycles. What? Is twice the size of the Gas Gas and MV Agusta booth, which is a combined booth. Yep. Marini's booth is twice the size of, well, they of are, like, the They're trying booths. to come hard. Oh, think, yeah. Yeah. KTM Husqvarna is a split booth again, half the size. Like, hold on, guys. KTM Husqvarna, Gas Gas, and MV Agusta make up the size of the Marini booth. Moto Marini has three fucking bikes. <laughs> Like I'm not messing oh, yeah. around. No, no, I'm not no. messing around. That's why I'm looking at. That's why I'm looking at the map or trying to figure out what's going on. Are they going to debut new ones at the show? Well, they should have debuted them on their yeah, fucking yeah. website for yeah. their dealers who they're I mean, trying to get to buy them. Because right? I mean, yeah. Thumpstar and Charming together make up the KTM sized booth, and yes. then you know you get a little bit bigger. But but I'm not joking when I tell you Motor Marini is literally three bikes yeah. and two of them are the same. Yeah. So the X Cape is one bike. That's their adventure bike, and the Sae Metso SCR, which is the cafe racer ver- or the, the scrambler version, and the Sae Metso STR, which is the street version, they're all the same bike. Wait, what you meant to say is that you got the Africa Twin, and then you got the <laughs> TT85, <laughs> and then you got the Kawasaki. <laughs> it's, it is bigger, it, it, the, that booth is bigger and more in the middle of the floor than the CF Moto booth. But I'm confused as to why they need it when they well, have... they have three colors of each bike, so they're going to have yeah. at least nine <laughs> bikes displayed. When they have three bikes and two of them are barely distinguishable from each other. Right. But again, booth space there. Um, apparently, they have a lot of real estate that they need to fill up. So, hey, good. There's a lot on this floor. Kawasaki just, I'm sorry, Yamaha just announced a multi-million dollar buy-in to yep. CF Moto. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently that news broke a little while ago talking about like, well, but you know, it's only going to be for the Chinese market. Yeah, we've heard that before. All right. Uh, 
And today I got to speak to somebody who's extraordinarily well-read in the Chinese motorcycle manufacturing world. And he really did break it down for me in a lot of ways. Lan Sin, who does BMW, so your, you know, your BMWs are made in India, your BMWs are made in Lan Sin, and some of your BMWs are made in Germany. The numbers get into different columns every Fuzzy. year. Right, the numbers change columns every year. But uh, Lan Sin is one of these brands, you know, you've got Xenon, who's basically doing all the Piaggio products and Aprilia stuff and the sexy Italian guys. And then you've got um, CF Moto, who's now, you know, KTM and now picking up some Yamaha. And they were what, Husqvarna, right? So they were CF Moto was Husqvarna. Uh, it's very, it's getting very hard to tell the players, right? And, but the one thing is that about three, maybe four Chinese companies have established themselves as being dominant in the field. Many of them, like Moto Marini, like SWM, like Benelli, uh, which, which is QJ. Many of them are doing the thing where they still have their world headquarters in Italy. So it's Italian designed, Italian researched, Italian history, Italian headquarters, Chinese production. What's the, the phrase I heard a long time ago? And I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a book called Aircraft or Airframe, but it was value added. Right. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where it's manufactured. No. It's, where, it's where the company is based, that where the value added comes into play. I've seen the word this particular week, getting ready for AIM. Yeah. I've seen this word, Italian design, Chinese built. Yeah. yeah. Or they'll lead with Chinese built, Italian designed. They've been doing that in the guitar industry forever. Yeah. yeah forever. Right? It'll so, be like American design. I got to ask you about this, because this is a good thing, because I think maybe the Chinese... I'm sorry. I think maybe the guitar industry has experienced this before we did. Oh, way, way, yeah. They've been doing it forever. How oh, yeah. long ago did that start? In, in the 70s. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there was stuff like, or, or sometimes they, so it was weird. So like in the 70s, there was a whole thing where there was a whole bunch of prolific Japanese like like luthiers. Hmm. And so they either got them to come over here and like design stuff with the American guys, or they would have, like, the companies would put them out over there and whatever. So what you're saying is, whether it's motorcycles, cars, guitars or whiskey the japanese will steal it and make it better probably okay but where did china where does china come in in the guitar world well so i would say about 25 years ago they started to (laughs) to just you know you'd see like these cheaper guitars and they were instantly shit you know and so at first it actually went to mexico so fender started to do some stuff in mexico and so it would say like fender stratocaster um uh designed usa made in mexico and And it was called the ay 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 (laughs) But like so like they were really dogged for a long time yeah. but then here's what happened and this is interesting and i bet you this is what's going to happen to the motorcycles so take this now over 20 25 years right america got lazy so like a lot of the custom shops and stuff that were doing guitars yeah. their quality wasn't yeah. there yeah. or the, a lot of the high-end custom stuff still there but like the american-made gibsons or the american-made fenders where you were like oh man you can feel the quality oozing compared to that piece of shit mexican or piece of shit chinese one right well, as the economy started to grow over there, those guitars started to get pretty fucking good. Yeah. And now you're like you're looking at them, and like if you go on YouTube right now, there's things like uh, Lost Gem. People didn't look at this, and this guitar actually for the year is better than the U.S. You know, and so oh now, really? Yeah. So now it's weird. So like certain years of Chinese guitars are actually you know coming up in value. Really? Yeah, it's really weird because that's I see that market. Um, I do a lot of gun stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of companies that. When I was a young person in the 80s, 
we were buying guns and somebody was like, oh, you do know that gun was made in Japan, right? And you're like, yeah, I know, but shoot it. Mm-hmm. Go shoot it. That Nico is like not fucking around. That is That's, one of the best trap and skeet guns I've ever shot. I just scored a guitar. Yeah. I traded a guy. I did one of my things where like I bought low, fixed it up, and then yeah. he wanted it. And then out of, I've been looking for this guitar for 20 years. And out of nowhere, he was like, I have this to trade. But the thing is, is he looked at like, if you go and look this guitar up, it'll sell for three or 400 bucks because 99% of them have been beat the fuck. Yes. So if you can find one that's mint, it was made in 1980. It was by a company called Aria. And it's uh, Matsumoto is the guy who had made it. He was a master luthier. Like people like, like basically what he did is they wanted to make their company and they wanted to make it a commercially available guitar for a reasonable price that could compete with the custom shop guitars in the U.S., but nobody really, you know, people that knew knew, but it never really caught on. But now, you know, 45 years later, if you can find one of these things, it has rotary switches with like filters in the electronics. So you can get like 30 tones out of the thing, but there's no cheesy. It's not, there's no onboard effects. It's right. just actually using the pickups and stuff to get all the tones. It's like a masterpiece of a guitar. Wow. So, and now that value. So back then they sold them for three, 400 bucks. The one that I got, which this guy didn't know because it's mint. Is like I could get probably fourteen to sixteen hundred bucks for it wow. at this point. So it's and that's a, and th- is that is that a Chinese made guitar? This one's Japanese. That one's Japanese. Okay. But like yeah, All this right. one. But I'm just saying. But it yeah. happens in other things. So like right now, there's a thing going on with guitars where. Um, there's, it's a flood of Chinese guitars, mm-hmm. right? All over eBay, all over Reverb, and like they're unbranded or they'll have some weird name or something. And the reviewers that are supposed to, you know, like they're like Chinese guitar, piece of shit, let's go. And then like halfway through the video, they're like, you know, I can't really hate this thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, basically, if I bought a Gibson, I'd replace this, I'd redo this, I'd make it my guitar. Well, yeah. if I do that to this, it's actually not bad. Okay. And then, so Chinese stuff. There's a company called Donner from China. Okay. They are producing quality accessories, acrimons, and instruments. So as a fa- like an all-in-one effects pedal that's an amp modeler with cabinet modelers and everything, yeah. a lot of those are between $800, $2,000, locally. They came out with one for 200 bucks. I can get paid 240 and it is insane. It is like it, it, it actually does things better than some of the three or four thousand dollar ones that I've played through. That's pretty cool. So like that market, I can see all that happening. Like it's already happening, but I can mm-hmm. see that it's gonna become like guitarists now don't even think about oh it's China. Like as soon as one guy gets it, you kind of know whether or not it's a good thing and then they just accept it. Like, oh that that brand is cool. That brand's not cool. It, we were joking about this when we were pre-gaming. You know, for the people that watch the podcast or listen to the podcast. You know, we're here. We're here for an hour before we turn the mics on, and we were talking about this. Like, you know, okay, we understand politically, um, ethically, emotionally, spiritually. We're like, man, you know, we really don't want to support China that much. And I'm like, yeah, look at the fucking podcast table, though. Everything on this table is made in China, mm-hmm. right? Everything on this table is Chinese, except made. the beer. Right. Thank Task you. Might be, this might <laughs> right. be Japanese. No, uh, hey, whatever. Right. Yeah. Either right. Way, whatever. So close enough. The greatest likelihood. Yeah. Right. That, that this podcast is brought to you by China. Sure. Right. The cameras, the whole deal. Yep. And that's where we are, man. That that is it. It's been hard for me because I've watched that go from being it was very easy. It was very binary. It was like China bad, everything else good. And at the shop, that made my life really easy. And then now it's had to be like, ah, shit. You know, oh, that QJ is a badass bike. Um, look, I rode the piss out of that QJ. And if it had a if it had a fault, I'd tell you. But instead, I brought it over here and let you guys ride it. Well, you know what's happening? Yeah, it's becoming brand specific to quality, not continent specific. Oh, that's a good right. point. Now that actually makes a good point. Right. Well, uh, the fellow I was talking to yeah. today was talking about 
a particular bike that shall be remain nameless, but it rhymes with Fascal mm. 125. Uh, this particular bike that we have tested here at our shop, mm-hmm. um, we didn't pr- particularly like it. He had looked at purchasing a co- several thousand of those. But when he went and toured the manufacturing place, you could tell this is a person that spent a lot of time in China because he said, he goes, you know, um, it was probably, a, you know, to help you understand, it was probably a grade D factory. And when I said grade D factory, I was like, oh, you know, old tooling, bad tooling, stuff that was somebody else's property before. He goes, no, dirt floors. Yep. Wow. Now, that's very hard for us in an OSHA environment to imagine, even imagine dirt floors in modern manufacturing. But here's a place that's building motorcycles that you rode and I rode, and you know. Well, dude, did you see the, just, I think I posted a, a, a couple weeks ago, they showed this dude in India, bare feet, like just in one of those like long white shirt things. Yeah. And he's, he's got old tires and he's, he's got a fucking sharp like handle that's just like fucking sharp. Yeah. He's hitting it with the hammer making pellets. Yeah. The next shot is those pellets getting shoved in this machine that grinds them yeah. up and then melts them. Then it comes down to this goo. Yeah. This other guy's cutting pipes. All these guys are no, like OSHA would die. No, like, OSHA you know, would right? die. Yeah. So then they get done. And, and so will the guys who are doing the eventually. work. Correct. Yeah. But so anyways, you yeah. start going and you're going like, what the fuck are these guys building? And then they start to take shape in their engine mounts. Yep. And then they're the engine mounts. And then they go into <laughs> a Bosch box or one of these other fucking, uh, uh, it wasn't Bosch. Yep. I don't want to say Bosch, but whatever. Like, it was it's just, fine. but it was a brand It box. doesn't matter. A branded box. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like yeah. this was a dude in a garage. The, ripping apart tires and now it, like i never thought of that no, well no. that's recycling uh yeah real, realistically yeah, yeah right there's a few years ago we, i ordered in a bunch of bearings and motor parts and stuff like that for a bunch of bikes we were building and i ordered all these things in and i'm fanatical about using timkin bearings uh because they're an ohio company yep so they're an ohio company i believe in that and there was a bunch of stuff I was ordering in our normal um, how, bearing house that we were working with didn't have any, so I had to order them outside. And I thought it was really weird because um, I'm used to handling Timken bearings. I'm used to the boxing, the packaging, the whole deal. And these were just a little weird, right? They're a little weird. And I thought, that's kind of an odd thing, right? Kind of just, I didn't know Timken had that kind of packaging because mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, they're can't, they're not far from here. And... And there so, is something different about like Euro and especially Chinese and Japanese packaging. And it has a, you're right. It's it got has, a funk to it. Yeah. There was a weird smell, right? Yeah. And so I immediately took a picture of it and sent it off to my buddy, you know, one of the guys that I buy from that's at the factory, right? And this guy looks at me and he goes, where the hell did, I want to know where you got this. And so I, I, I immediately, like, I'm not keeping any secrets. I bought it from this supplier, this vendor, this time. He goes, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It was a 100% fraudulent fake knockoff mm, of a Timken bearing. Oof. And the problem, not, not among the other fucking problems, is it wasn't the right size. It wasn't the size that was on the packaging. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. And the other thing was, you spin it, and you could hear you things. Hear it. Yep. And that was a bad sign. Now, I know in the podcast land, you're probably like, yeah, but it's probably like a $5 bearing. This is a $39 bearing. Oh, yeah. This is a very expensive bearing. Or how about just a head bearing? Do you want... Yeah, but you just don't want to have to replace it, even if it... You know what I mean? Like, well, what about failing on your head? And well, you this fucking shakes at yeah. 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. You know, or, what about the back ends of all those Chinese motorcycles yeah. that yeah. we had turned to Velveeta after six fucking miles yeah. or 60 miles? The, the genuine yeah. Stella crank. The genuine Stella crank 
is still a bone of contention for me because I also believe this is a situation where American tastes may have exceeded Indian exactly. manufacturing. Exactly. I believe that in India, where this bike was built, where this bike has been R&D'd, because there is not a single part of this particular bike we're talking about that is Italian. Yeah. And it hasn't been Italian for 20 goddamn years. The tooling went to India. Yep. India said, we are making you in our image. They went from a three-port motor to a five-port motor, not to make it go faster, to give you an extra 20 miles per gallon. Yep. India turns the motor off at red lights. Yep. They kickstart it when the light goes green. They have a family of five riding the bike. They never exceed 35 miles an hour. The oil they put in their two-stroke is somebody else's old car oil. It's sticky. It's gloopy. It, 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 it's oh, it works. It's, it's shitty oil. It, but it works. It's also the oil that in the original owner's manuals from the 50s and 60s and 70s for these Italian scooters and motorcycles said, you use your old car oil at 5% or 4%. Yep. And you use old car oil with your gasoline, and that's where you get your lubricity. Mm-hmm. Motul 500 or whatever um, <laughs> is synthetic, and it doesn't stick, mm. right? Motul is designed for your CR250 and, and, and very high compression, very high temperature, very fast incident of arrival, combustion, departure. Um, two-stroke, folks, it's not hanging around very long. But in India, that oil is meant to be garbage. It's meant to be the last thing your oil is, does before it goes into giving you the world's dirtiest air. The, the high ash content, I think, was it's the... It's the uh, best thing. Yeah, yeah. So we did a little test at our shop, and it was called the Unky Fills a Cheap Fucker Test. <laughs> <laughs> Every Coast, single... Coastal 30 weight. <laughs> worse. Every single one of my customers would come in and go... I got a new Stella. It's exciting. I'm going to take it out. It's like a Vespa, but cheaper. Cool. Great. It's a two-stroke. Yeah, it does wheelies. It's everything. It's everything you ever want in a scooter. Great. And I'm going to take it out and ride it at 65 miles an hour on the freeway. It's going to blow the fuck up. Right? And I'm going to put 93 octane gas in it because I want what's the best for my baby. I'm going to put full synthetic oil in the oil tank because I want what's the best for the baby. Cool. You do that. You know what I'm going to do? 87 octane, 99 cent a quart wolf's head. That's what I'm going to do. Do you know whose crank lasts? Oh, I don't know. 2002 was a long time ago. About 21 years ago. Who's still got the original crank in their bike? Oh, Unky Phil does. Why? I put 99 cent a quart wolf set in it. I never put anything in it better than 87 octane. And I rode it like an Indian person. I shifted gears at about 3,200 RPMs. That's it. When's the last time you started that red sheet talk? When I bought it three years ago? Yeah. I, I stuck a fresh battery in it. Yeah. Hit the button. Yeah. Guess what it did? It did India. It did. Because it's India. It'll go all day. It'll go all day long. That, and it'll do anything you want, but it won't go 70. Nope. <laughs> you go 70, parts are going to jump out of yep. it. It's meant to do 30 with a family of five on it on the world's worst gas and somebody else's recycled oil. Oh, yeah. If you... If you stick to those parameters, your Royal Enfield will last a long time. Yeah. If I see you going 80 on the freeway on your Royal Enfield, your head is about to escape. Yes. Right? Even the new ones? Oh, yeah. They're better built. Ask Larry. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our podcast listener just said he got a free one. Yeah. Oh, well, God. no, he didn't get a free one. 
he got a free transmission, yeah. uh, and then he got a free motor, uh, and then he got rid of the bike. Oh, yeah. It sucks though because it's such a pretty looking bike, man. It's you know they have tried really hard to make that thing work. Look, and the problem is you hit. You hit why do you have head. to satisfy two markets? You have yeah. to satisfy the Indian person, yes, and you have to satisfy the American person. Okay, the Indian person is going to buy two hundred and thirty-seven thousand of your bikes. Yep. The American person is going to buy eighteen of them. Yep. Who do you build for? Yeah, right. I get it. Fuck oh, you, yeah. fuck you, oh, America. Yeah. You had your chance. Yeah. That's like the Chevy, the head of Chevy at Summit. He told us he was in the, the build room and he said, all right, this is where I let anybody ask any question mm-hmm. they want. And, I, you know, it's to my own fault. I have no fear and I'm an idiot. <laughs> so everybody's quiet. So I go, I got a question. He was like, what? I'm like, how come you guys can't build a pickup truck that doesn't rust in three years? Right. And his answer Good. was, because I'm not building a truck for you in Michigan, the two dumb states in the whole right. country that yeah. put salt on their yeah. roads. And I was like, yeah. okay. I'm that makes sense. That. Hey, here's an idea. Yeah. Here's a, there's 50 fucking states and a whole planet full of people. Why are you using so much salt, Dick? Right. right. He said, it's not feasible for us to right. make a truck for that's, you because your right. government is stupid. Because if I build my trucks like UPS trucks that last through the salt, you're not going to be able to afford to buy them. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. A UPS truck will last 30 years. Don't look at the price tag. Yeah, yeah, right. Find, find right. me a Jeep with a frame. Right. Like right. any Whatever. frame. Whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Stellantis need not apply. Right. Uh, that's a really, it's kind of an interesting thing when you look at mm-hmm. it. It is a funny, funny thing when you, when you think about all those things. In the motorcycle world, when we do the silly shit that we do, we have to understand that usage scenarios, I got guys that are taking Benelli TNT 135s out and just bringing them back shit hammered is too nice of a term but sleepy's bike is fucking great and fine chris's bike is great and fine my bike is great and fine and i fucked with mine like i i did pipes i took pipes off i yep. changed this i did that yep. but yep. you're you're not trying to wheelie this thing into the back of an s10 I no mean. <laughs> and also like you know besides when me and phil were like you know just seeing how fast they would go yeah. i try not to go 72 no 100% we only do that time. on break-in right yeah <laughs> We just do that. We just do that to, to condition the motor. Yeah. We do that to season it. Yeah. Well, it's right. heat cycles. I believe it's better to determine the one. fitness of the vehicle during prep. That shortens the span. Mm-hmm. So you can contact the manufacturer and say, we have a problem here. Mm-hmm. And they don't think you're crazy because they know you just opened the box yesterday. Yeah. Right. Right. So it must really be a problem. I didn't take this out and put 5,000 miles on it yesterday. Well, that's, right. that's, right. that's always the thing about the first service is it's mm-hmm. always at 600-ish miles because if it's going to break from the factory, it's going to break within that first Tom brings that window. Up, I promise you this. I do not care whose name is on your vehicle. Service number one, spend your fucking money. Yeah. Do not skip the first service. If you buy a brand new Fiat and the owner's manual says there's no first service, bring it in at 6,000 miles, take it in at 600 miles. Yep. Force them to change the oil. Yep. There is no such thing as a vehicle that does not require a first service. As long as metal parts are moving around in oil and fire, you have to do that. I can tell you exactly how long a bike is going to last or any vehicle, motorcycle, scooter, car, truck, airplane but don't that first service determining depending on how much spare metal is on the magnet if it has one on the drain plug Mm -hmm. determines how long that bike's gonna last do you know what ducati's charging for service number one at 600 miles just down the street ray hall ducati uh 1400 no no that's the first one that has a valve adjustment okay that's yeah um no first service 600 miles congratulations you've owned the bike for six 
hundred miles. That's one dollar per mile, six hundred dollars. Thank you very much. Yep. Um, that's service number one. Yeah. Right. right? Now they may or may not find anything when they do it, but I promise you, if I owned a V4, if I did, I don't, but if I did, I would be there. Mm-hmm. I would be there. And do you oh, know who yeah. I? Do you know why I wouldn't do the service myself? Because they're the people who are going to be hearing about me if the piston goes the wrong way or whatever. I need to make sure I have it in writing that I did my service at 600 right. and that I've been the best owner ever and I haven't hung any extra pipes on it or whatever. Yep. Um, because with a bike like that, I'm going to be careful until the warranty's over. See, but check this out. So Amy bought that car or yeah. we bought that the Hyundai venue or whatever it was, right? Yeah. And so I actually asked about that because they're like, your first service is at 3,500 miles. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I just put an engine in my truck and I got to change it at 300 miles, 600 miles, 1,500 <laughs> miles. Yep. Like, you know, I got all these things I got to do. Yep. Like, what yeah. about her? And he was yeah. like, no. He goes, it's 3,500. He goes, it is. it's pre-broken in. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's what he said. No, it's no. not. I didn't think so. No, either. it's not. No. I promise you it's not. I probably, I guarantee they, you right. They may say that, but unless they run on the track for a but thousand miles. But my thing is, but, no, but here's the thing. This is what I told her not to worry about it. Yeah. Because I'm like, that would, you're following what they're telling you. Correct. And that's their warranty. So, hey. What I'm, what I'm going to follow is what's in the book. If it says 3,500 miles and anything goes boom before 3,500 miles, that's right. on them. If I'm going to expect to have an enjoyment of the vehicle after the warranty yep. is over, yep. then I'm going to change the oil at 600. Absolutely. If I'm not going to be the guy owning the car, right. then I might do what it says at 3,500. So yeah. if you plan on keeping anything, change the oil at 600 miles. Yeah. It's a very small price to pay yep. I agree. to change the oil at 600. And as a guy who looks at a lot of oil that comes out of vehicles at oh, 600, yeah. I can tell you, I've never seen it clean. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I just did that it with my It comes truck. out looking disco. Yeah. I have it yeah. on video, man. Yeah. yeah. You can see the swirl. It looks like you're mixing metallic paint. Oh, yeah. You don't want that in your car. No. No. It's the car. less, the fewer amount, because everything at 600 miles is going to come out glitter. Yep. It's yeah. not going to be bad glitter, but it's going to be a little bit of glitter in there because nobody, nobody finishes their gears. Well, I think you want to see those fine particles. Oh, yeah. That's what, you know. That's breaking. That's you know, your break-in. Yeah, that's, that's the point of it. Because, you know. It's fine. D- you can actually depend. You can actually determine the quality of finishing on the gears on a vehicle by the by the amount of glitter and the oil when it comes out at six hundred miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on that because a lot of like like a lot of places don't. Sh- what is it when you dump it into into sand and it polishes the gear a little mm-hmm. bit before you all put it again? Like a lot of places will do that, and then a lot of places every time I've put a years. piston, every time I've put a piston in a cylinder yeah. into a two stroke. I have champ feared oh, yeah. the fuck out of it. Oh, yeah. Right? I take that thing out of the box, brand new. I don't care whose name's on it. Super Trap, Molosi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Weisco. I take that thing out, and I hit every fucking mating edge. Yep. I just knock that ridiculously hard mating surface off of it at the ports, and at the windows. Yep. Because I know that's some shit that can snag later on. Yep. And it takes me 20 minutes, and it's never bit me in the ass, not once ever. And that's okay. I'm cool with that. Uh, it it does not bother me to do that in the least. I'm fine with it. It, it really is okay. No, it's, it's ten minutes at most of your time, and it saves you a lot of trouble down the line. Uh, you guys, I be careful. There's banks out there, and they're trying to fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> I think they are. This is why bank with with the ultimate evil. But okay, <laughs> okay. I got to tell you a little something. I, I was reading about one of these motorcycle companies out there. You may have heard of them. Their name rhymes with Farley Mavidson. Mm. 
Uh, but this is one of their side projects called Livewire. Mm-hmm. And they've got a motorcycle that's not the top of the Livewire pal. It's the, the bottom of the Livewire pal called the Del Mar. Uh, and that's a, a $15,500 bike that is, best as I can tell in every measurable way, not quite, quite as good as a Zero. But okay, we'll get back to that later. Um, but it does, you know, it's live wire, so yay. So they've gotten rid of that pesky Harley Davidson badge, I guess. Uh, lock you in with a $250 deposit right meow. Uh, what bothered me was that they have a payment plan to pay for it. Sure. Because, you know, people like them to know what the monthly payment might be on the motorcycle and they're these buying. these millennials, that's how they define things, I guess. I right? think it is. I, and, and we might have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. We, might, we might have to be aware of that because it turns out it's kind of important. So I have a question. Financing. Mm-hmm. We all know about financing. I'm not going to teach you all anything about financing. But if you had, let's just say for the sake of argument, if you had yourself about a $15,500 motorcycle and you were going to finance it through the dealer's financing scheme or network or whatever it is, um, I'm going to, you raise your hand when you come up to the flaw and the logic here. And this is on their website. I'm not making this up. If you'd like to buy this $15,499 motorcycle, they require a 15% down payment. Oh, okay. $2,250? About $2,300, yeah, $2,400. That's your first, that's your down payment. You're at the dealership, $2,400. That's $2, fair. I mean, that's not terrible. Seems fair. That seems, right. yeah. And then they're going to give you 48 months. Okay. Boy. And uh, it's going to be only $200 per month. Well, hold on. Let me, let me strike that. They're going to give you 47 months at $200 per month. Right. The 48th month is going to be $8,438. Is that a balloon knot? Uh, that's a balloon knot, Chris. Yeah, that's called, uh, that's, called yeah. Uh, that's not even an arm. Right. That's a fucking leg in your and ass. <laughs> now, when I was a kid learning about spending my money poorly, yeah. and buying things I couldn't afford, if you paid $2,500 up front, and you made 48 payments, 47 payments in the middle. That should have been your balance. And then your last payment was $8,000. That whole thing's called lease. Yeah. Right? Yeah, your buyout buying out. at the end. Yeah. So I'm going to remind folks who are bad at math that... Um, so hold on. 25, you're spending $2,500. This is, and we're going to keep in mind, it's a $15,500 vehicle. Don't lose sight of that because it's about to become really fucking important. Well, that's what I was doing. So two it's okay. I'll do it for you. <laughs> I, I came prepared. We got okay. it. He did his homework. Okay. You're going to spend about $2,400 up front. Mm-hmm. Sunk cost. Right. You're going to spend 47 months at $200 a pop. About nine grand. About nine grand. Ten grand. Oh, yeah, whatever. Because now you're in it for 11 and a half, right? Mm-hmm. 11 and a half large. Uh, it turns out that... With their interest rate, that turns out being $13,174. The number's going to get a little sticky here because this is now the fourth year. Mm -hmm. Now, would you like to keep that? Because if you want to keep that, it's going to cost you $8,438 to keep that. Now, here's the trick. A four-year-old Livewire Del Mar ain't going to be worth $8,000. $438. Probably not. Do you know why I know that? 
because a four-year-old Livewire, not a Delmar, <laughs> right? The bigger, better, faster one, the more powerful one, has experienced more than a 50% drop in its value in four years of existence on this planet. So the likelihood of this vehicle having a residual value of $8,438 is zero. However... Even if it has the seat shaker? Your dumbass is on the hook and has already paid over 15 k Yeah. You've that, paid... I'm going to say that again for the cheap seats. If you can't afford to go into your dealership and write a check for 15-5 plus, 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 and that plus, plus, plus means tax, title, and freight, and prep, which is the, world, the way the world works. Right. So if you can't pay $5,599 plus, give or take, another $1,800, mm-hmm. don't buy this bike. Right. Because two things are going to happen. First of all, the financing Unky Phil just talked about is based on the 15499 MSRP. You're not paying MSRP. You're paying MSRP plus, plus, plus. Mm-hmm. Your $2,400 down payment, that doesn't change. You're going to have to pay for your tax on day one, too. You cannot finance your tax. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay your prep on day one as well. The dealership's not going to let you finance your prep. Your shipping and your freight, you're going to pay that on day one, too. Harley-Davidson has been known to charge up to $1,200 for freight, depending on what dealership you're working with. So be careful on that. Now, we talk about that balloon knot payment at $8,438. This lease, please don't call this a payment plan. Please don't call this financing. This is a fucking lease by any other name. Like, let me ask you something. Have yeah. you ever met somebody that like pays two hundred dollars a month for something? Yeah. That can pay eight thousand dollars at the end. Like ninety percent of the people I know, if they're buying something at two hundred dollars a month, it's because they don't have because they don't have eight thousand dollars in one place. But maybe they're thinking to the, a date four years in the future where they're no longer a tempor- temporarily embarrassed billionaire. Hmm. Um, because that's what America's full of: it's temporary, temporarily embarrassed billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. It's right fucking here, guys. I didn't make this up, by the way. This is on their website. You just have to scroll all the way to the bottom to see it. It's in that six-point font that you got to have a bigger monitor to read. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty short and sweet, and I'm going to read you the part. And in case you're not sure, this is called uh, D-I-T-A, dick in the ass. Okay, (laughs) That's the part of the contract I'm going to read for you right now. (sighs) 9.84% APR results in and by the way this is with a tier one credit score mm-hmm. 9.84% APR results in 47 monthly payments of $192.23 a piece and a 48th balloon payment of $8,438 in this example customer is responsible for applicable taxes title licensing fees and any other fees or charges at the time of sale so there goes your $2,400 down payment that's now 4000 at least APR is calculated according to the simple interest method, not valid in conjunction with other offers, other terms, conditions, and limitations may apply. My friend, this is the only financing program available to you by Livewire if you're making the purchase for this vehicle. Anything else is BYO financing, okay? Be very careful. Be extremely careful today if you are thinking about buying a motorcycle on time. Because there's a lot of leases out there masquerading themselves as financing. And they're not financing. But are you allowed? So 
Are you are you allowed to not buy it at the end? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so like if a person, if you're, if you're you just, are completely one hundred percent allowed at the end of this term to take it back into Harley Davidson, where since it is not a lease, they are not required to buy that bike back at all, and they can tell you to go fuck your hat. Okay, that's my point. So they are, it's just a fuck. You may just own that son of a bitch, and they might just say, Sleepy, it's time for your $8,500 last payment. Otherwise, we're going to send the guy to get your bike back for free. Can I finance that? Right. Can I refi your $8,400 last payment? Only if you want to go on paying for this bike for the rest of you and your child's natural born existence. Yeah, no kidding. Because I promise you, after four years, this bike will not be worth 8400 and you will not find a bank on this planet to give you a loan to buy one payment. Well, I mean, think about this. This technology... Well, your yeah, credit union will give you a loan to buy a doorstop for $20,000 right. as long as you're willing to pay it back. But right? you're going to be stuck. But-, but if your dumbass wants to do that... Can you, you imagine warned. being locked into an electric motorcycle for nine years? You know, because think about how much technology is changing yeah. every couple of years. Yeah. By the time you're making your last, last payments on that fucking thing, you're going to be- Your last a- payment is goddamn $8,500, Sleepy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, here's my trick, and this is where I think it's bad. I used to literally look at people who did leases. Like, like dude, you're a businessman. You have to have a perfect car. You're going to pay 300, 400 bucks a month. Somebody else is going to take care of the maintenance for you. And when it comes time to turn it in, another DITA, another big old dick in your ass, uh, if you have worn out tires or a scratch or it's a pickup truck and you actually put something in the back of it, you've done some leases, right, with your vehicles. It's a very specific use package. Yeah. And I often think that motorcycles are not a real good candidacy for leases because they tend to not have great residual value. Mm Mm-mm. And buying yourself out of a lease at the end of it with a car is always an option. You're like, I like this thing. I'm going to buy it out at the end of the lease. That's fine. But with motorcycles, it's a little bit sketchier than that. And here's my problem with this is I used to think that leases were kind of dumb, but in a very specific use scenario, they might pay off. And this one, this is just fucking criminal, man. This is just abusive. This is a lease without your ability to give the fucker back. This is 48th payment is $8,438. Mecklefresh, you used to be in the finance game. Like, that's what your job was, right? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that. it was a long time ago. What do you think about this? Like, is there any redeeming quality to this at all? Oh, a lease? This particular payment program, oh, uh, where it's not a lease, not you a don't lease. even give it back at the end of the 48 months, you're on the hook for an $8,400 balloon payment. I mean, it's any, it's like anything, buyer beware. And a lot of people, you get a contract and you just sign it. You, yeah. know, you know, how how aware was the buyer of that balloon payment at the end is my, my big question. Um, I mean, if it was made clear mm-hmm. and, and or, you know, then you can, you should be able to plan for that. You know that your your bike is, you know, you're buying this thing. You're going to have an 8,000. bomb. You either need to get it sold or you need to get other financing. And so, you know. I mean, the whole thing doesn't make any sense at all to me. I, doesn't you, it seem like just a mountain of negative negative equity from day one? Well, yeah. I mean, because time, you're paying well, four thousand to get the keys. But that's nothing. I mean, that's yeah. buying a new vehicle. I mean, you roll right. off the lot; it's worth half what you pay for. I mean, that's what everybody says. You know, that's why you buy a two year old vehicle yeah. or a three year old vehicle. It's when I read this, and honestly, I wasn't looking at this because I was considering buying a fucking live wire or anything else. I'm trying to purge the zeros I have right now, but. 
when I looked at this thing and I saw the way it was set up and the way it was structured, it was so offensive to me that I actually had to go back and remember that Livewire is not owned by, you know, Livewire is not Harley Davidson. I think the the main thing that's remarkable about it is who else does that? So I'm glad you asked. I mean, not many, I mean, that's not boiler. That's that's kind of a curveball, but it's kind of a curveball. But maybe so, who, somebody else is doing that same thing. So I looked it up, and it turns out it's a new trend. Okay. So um, huh. these aren't the only. You can't afford it. We're going to keep your payments low, but here's the kit. So, catch. So those of you you're going to say in four years you're going to owe us this huge <laughs> balloon payment. You're those, not going to know. Those what to of do you with. out there in purchasing new vehicle land. Every MBA asshole in the world is trying to figure out how to screw you on financing. So read, well, now your, read your contract. Now you can get 75-month financing. Oh, yeah, no shit. 75 yeah. months. Even at 48 months, you got to put away an extra 175 bucks a month. That's well, what are you going to do whenever you're selling? To your, your 8400 You've so made cars cost as much as a house. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, well, $60,000 how, how much was your truck? Yeah. The uh, white truck? My white truck was... Uh, $52,000. Which, holy! I think when my parents bought their house, yep. it was not $50,000. Oh, my parents' house was thirteen grand in exactly. 1971 or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, even my house that I live in, yeah. when I bought it 25 years ago, was $90,000, yeah. right? Um, this house that we're sitting in is three of my F-150s. Yeah. So this house is three F-150s. Yeah. If you want to take it down to it's, sweet, 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 easy but it's, numbers. It's ridiculous that... Yeah. We've come to the point in our society that vehicles cost as like, I think your truck full boat with all the goodies mm-hmm. is over a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Oh, if you want to do. Look, oh yeah. Look, we are, we are now part of a culture where the lowest grade F-150 work truck yeah. that grandpa would use to move manure white, around the farm. White on white with an automatic. Can also be a $100,000 luxury vehicle. And everything that's different is what you put into it, yep. right? Uh, yeah, that's, and that's absolutely and true. And now we're coming up with financial schemes that basically, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll bring that payment down mm-hmm. to whatever you need it to be. But at the end, you're going to owe us this huge payment you're going to have to refi. Yep, exactly. So would you guys like to hear what the other side of the rainbow is? The other side of the rainbow is Harley-Davidson's Remember, Livewire said under $200 a month. Now, this is why if you come into my shop and you say, I want to buy a bike, $200 a month. I'm going to have to stop my eyes from rolling. I'm going to go put on a very special other hat I have, right? That's called the guy who wants to buy buy the monthly payment hat. Because I can do that too. We're going to talk for a brief moment about Harley Davidson's other financing plan, also through ESB, Eagle Mark Savings Bank. Um, I, I checked. There are no branches of Eagle Mark Savings Bank. I cannot go there. They do not have an ATM out front. Mm-hmm. Eagle Mark Savings Bank is who? Well, the first word is Eagle. Harley Davidson is in the banking business. Oh, good, good for part. them. Okay. Does right. anybody remember GMAC? Don't sell the weed, grow the weed, and sell the weed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Right. That's, that's it. Right. So let me tell you about this sweetheart deal. They're cutting you because on a brand new sportster for all you young folks that like sportsters, you can have a brand new sportster for under $200 a month. You're lending people money to buy the weed though. Are we? Yes. Correct. Sleepy. Correct. We got to get on this. this. Weed savings and loan. Yeah. No shit. Right. 
What's uh, Ford Motor Credit? Chrysler. Chrysler. So had like you're it. selling a joint for ten bucks, but then with interest, it's actually twelve. It's correct. Exactly awesome. That's how. That's it works. a rent to own doobie. Rent yeah. to own. <laughs> That's it. Um, I am not. I'm not at all. I just had deja vu that we accidentally <laughs> did this a year ago. Like that line. What rent to own doobie? Yeah, no, I've never like, said that we, before. I think in my we life. talked about like this kind of a thing, and I swear, oh. like this whole scenario, I just oh. had this whole like fucking flashback. Well, Anyways, and you would because yeah, you've you've you're, you're built for that. Every couple minutes. <laughs> so your twelve thousand dollar motorcycle. We're just going to go through it super fast. They do advertise this some bitch, and this is a new Nightster. This is a, you know liquid cooled thousand cc kick ass new Harley Davidson. Don't call it a Sportster, right? It's a cool bike. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm all over these fucking things, uh, but. Mm-hmm. here's the plan. And if you're thinking about running right out and buying a fucking motorcycle, and this is the cheapest bike they offer, by the way, cheapest bike they offer, cheapest way you can buy a brand new Harley Davidson is 11,999 doll hairs because there ain't no 500s and 750s anymore. We can't see it up on our screen. Eh, hold on. Let me work with you on that. Right. Let me work with you on that. Does Johnny, Johnny Mac would really like have a 72 month payment on a Nightster. Well, no, but no, 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 Tom, Tom, <laughs> Tom, yeah. It gets worse. Oh, God. It gets fucking worse, man. Well, the first... It's fucking worse. Uh, there ain't no better way to put it. It gets worse. Uh, let's go ahead and let me know when you can see oh, that up there. Let's see what we got going on. All right. I, I mean, my comment on a lease is sometimes a lease can be a very way, good way to keep your payment low. You have, you're going to spend more money in the long run. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay for eight years as opposed to five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you can lease it for the first three years, and then if you're careful and look closely at your contract, your your buyout's usually a lot less than what you could buy a three-year-old vehicle at that point. You know what I'm yep. saying? So if it was a decent vehicle, then you go on and you finance that and buy it out, and that's actually not a stupid way to buy things. Right. I mean, and I know that when I, mean, I you know, if you had just cash, that's the best cheapest way to buy that, things. That's but. what I've done on the vehicles I've leased, yeah. with the exception of the truck, which had a major problem that. I just turned it in. I didn't want to deal with it. You don't want to dick with it. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting way to look at it too. Is you might have a problem with a vehicle and, and be thrilled that there's a way out, and you can be like, yeah, I've had my fun. It's been swell, but the swelling's gone now. Let's let's let somebody else have this problem. I never really looked at this bike before. Yeah. Um, you know, like when you're sitting on that seat. Yeah. Your boys are going to be right kind of at the lip of that seat. How hot do heads of motors usually get? Well, these are liquid well, cooled. So, that, so that's like the bit. Pan America motor in there. Yeah, it so is. that is exactly right. But like, look at that. Like you have one inch between that top of the motor and your nuts. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Remember, the air cooled Sportster is gone now. Yeah, that's gone. Yeah. Um, the days of the eight thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars Sportster are finished. There is no Iron eight eighty three. There's no seventy two. There's no forty eight. This is what you got. Uh, if you come in with your newspaper route money, this is what you're riding. Uh, they do make some other versions of it. I mean, I'll, I'll pull up one that's a little sexier so you don't have to look at that fucking awful thing. Um, we'll just go ahead and do sports dress for you because that's not as not as offensive to look at, but it is going to cost you another goddamn four or $5,000, right? This is kind of a sexy bike. It's kind of a sexy machine. Sports dress is kind of cool looking. With a real set of mufflers, that thing would probably be really nice. We all talked about those mufflers that are designed to force you to take them off and yeah. replace them, right? Now I see yeah. why you said that. I said that. Yep. I did. So this is 17000 but we're not going to use this as an example. I want to use, the, I wanna use the, the cheapest bike that Harley sells as the example. You know, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're doing that right, Twelve grand. So we're just going to scroll down to the bullshit. I mean, avoid all the other marketing crap. Go right down here, small print. 
Okay. Billiard gray, MSRP of $11,999. You got to put 10,000, you got 10% down. So, you know, hey, that's cool. You're only going to come out of pocket, what, 12 grand? Hold on. 12 grand is going to be plus your tax, plus your title, plus your freight. I do happen to know talking to local Harley Davidson dealership destination on this particular bike is $1,200. Okay. So $1,200, that means we're instantly going to be putting right down about $3,500. Mm-hmm. So you're going to come out of pocket $3,500, or if you're a dipshit, you're going to put it on your credit card, okay? Because you got to put 10% down of your $12,000, that's $1,200. you got to put down $1,200 destination charge, that's $2,400. you got 8% tax in the state of Ohio, so 8%, 8% tax on $12,000 is about $1,000, and right now we're at 3000 You got destination charge. You got your assembly of 240 right? Uh, and you might have a temp tag or something like that. Oh, title fee for 100 bucks too. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. So if you can get away with $3,500, $3,600, and you put it on your Visa Master Discover like some of my customers do, good job. You've really buried yourself, okay? <laughs> so you couldn't even afford to show up to court day one. Now you're hoping for a very speedy trial. Okay, here we are. 84 month, 84 month payment plan. If you want to know how you get a $200 monthly payment, my friend, it's an 84 month payment plan. What's that, seven years? Yeah, seven years. Um, want to hear an interesting thing about this? I looked it up. You guys know when you buy a house, you get a 15 year mortgage or a 30 year mortgage, the first couple of years you're paying, you're just paying interest. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're not really diving into the principal until the last few years. Yep. They structure these the same way. Yep. Oh, wow. Check your buyout, boys. Check your buyout. Well, why not, though? If, you're, if you, if, get, if you if, get tired of your motorcycle, the bank wants to make sure that if you get tired of your motorcycle after four years, they've gotten their interest out of they you. They got the interest, mm. yeah. If you, make, if you quit making your payments after three years, the bank wants to make sure they got their interest out of you. Yep. Bank gets paid first. You will be shocked to find out after five years into your eight-year contract that your equity in this vehicle is, bucks. as Chris would say... Squatoosh. Fucking A, Squatoosh. Be careful, guys. If you're going out there and you want to fucking, let's just say it, it's a rent-to-own motorcycle. Yep. You're paying $200. You're lucky to get out of there, $3,600 on day one. You're going to be spending $200 a month for the next, no shit, 84, seven years of your life. Do you know what a sportster's worth after seven years? Chris? <laughs> Squatoosh. Thank you. Exactly. And, they, and you're paying, and tier one credit, 750 credit score, you're paying 11.74% APR. Good God. That's a lot of money. No shit. But so. here, this is, it's going to crumble because, <laughs> because, because people well, can't do that. Well, it has people been. People are going to look at, I mean, people can't do that. These are the rules. If you cannot abide by them, then you Harley don't buy, Davidson will you, be happy to repossess correct. your motorcycle. No, but your your people. It's going to stop people from buying them. It will. Right. It people has, are going to be like, "This is sick. It has, I can't do this. It has I'm not, not buying it. I can't buy it." Johnny, if you can see past your "I got a brand new Harley Davidson boner," yeah, to understand what this is that is, by the way, in print on the bottom of their fucking front page of their website. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you that it could be in print in fucking 14 point font. On the front of their brochure. People wouldn't read it. You're right, Chris. Oh, yeah. Fucking, fucking Uncles will still buy these bikes because it's 200 bucks a month and I can have a Harley. Yep. 
No, they they have been the playing. They General have been has playing. said that this smoking these will cause you cancer. Yep, they have not stop one motherfucker that smokes. They them. they've been playing this exact game for thirty years. So it has not matter. Oh, the only thing that has changed is the term limits of how long you're paying for this thing. They so, haven't changed a so damn Tom, thing. Tom, do you think it's had an impact on their sales volume? So Phil and I were talking about this earlier. There's a certain auction company that where has for years warehoused excess Harley Davidsons. I came no, don't don't hide it. I came into our podcast and yeah. remember I brought 14 sheets of paper. Yeah. And I sat down at the podcast and I handed you guys all 14 sheets of paper and we talked about 5,000 Harley Davidsons being auctioned. Yep. 35 to 45 seconds per bike. Yep. And what kind of numbers they were pulling. And and how much money people were losing on that. And sometimes sometimes dealers were paying over retail for the bikes. And sometimes people were getting away with murder. And I got away with murder a few times. But and if you if the entire point of this was basically to keep the market up, keep the ball up in the air. And the question now is how much longer can they keep the ball up in the air? Harley Davidson has in excess of eighty million dollars worth of pre owned inventory that is derelict, defunct, bad credit, bad debt, you call it whatever you want to call it, and they can't find enough repo men to go out and get it. Yep. Because repoing a Harley Davidson is a little different than repossessing your car or whatever. It's a harder job. Harley Davidson now... Well, then, the- and like you said, though, then the asset remarketing, yep. even if they do repo it, mm-hmm. you're not going to get shit for it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's... I mean, It's it- certainly not going to pay off the, the loan. The, right, mor- okay. the mortgage is what I wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> the mortgage. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this question. Yeah. With, with Eagle Savings Bank, mm-hmm. who takes the loss? Harley Davidson shouldn't take the loss because Eagle Savings Bank's the one that's underwriting the loan. I'll bet you that Eagle Savings Bank is very proud to say how much money they've lost last year yep. in the form of tax abatement yep. or tax management. Uh, and maybe that that's one of those things that wasn't designed to last for a long time a long-time business model, but a let's get through this next couple of years business model. Uh, this thing that... Uh, sub Going out of business since the day they opened. Hey, hey, sub John, prime, hey Johnny Mac. Subprime loans... There we are. ...have always been a very touchy thing. Uh, when people are writing bad paper and they know they're writing bad paper... And you know that people buy paper for ten cents on the dollar. Yep. We buy bad, you know, people buy bad loans. You bundle them and buy them. And I wonder if that whole Eagle Bank thing that we're looking at might not be just this. When this is on Harley Davidson's website, this is page two, by the yep. way. This is page two. This is Harley Davidson pre-owned. Dude, why does that Harley up there look like it's a, a Japanese copy of a Harley? Yeah, they're they're actually going yeah. in the other direction. But here's the thing I want you to be aware well, you've, of. You've still got to modernize these things. Don't brag about the fact that I've got herpes 14 times and it ain't killed me yet. Huh. That hasn't got... I'm not impressed. Oh, you've been to okay? Sturgis too. <laughs> Harley Davidson says 29,491 bikes. Find your one. They're talking about pre-owned bikes. They're talking about bikes that are back in the system. You might think, oh yeah, that's great. My Harley dealer took one back in on trade. You know, it's been lovingly taken care of. And I can go get a pre-owned Harley that's certified pre-owned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 29,491 bikes is people that couldn't make their payments. 
I was going to say, that's an amazing incarceration rate. That is a really <laughs> fucking high incarceration rate, John. That is a really high incarceration rate. And this way, they're getting these bikes that they've picked back up, that they've repoed back in. Now, um, I'll tell you a little something about crawling through the auctions the way I used to. Meaning, I'd go in there the day before the auction, I'd look at about 5,000 motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And I could get pretty quick at looking at a motorcycle and learning about it. And there was always this thing when I looked at the ticket and I'd see that it was a, a, a repo, a profit and loss write-off, right? Uh, skip tracing, et cetera. These companies were pretty obvious who they were. I'd always look at the back of the bike and see that the person had burned the tires down until they blew out. Yep. Mm. Because I haven't made a payment on this bitch in four months and I know they're repoing it. I know they're coming to get it. So Vern, let's go out and burn the fucking tire off. Let's take the, all the oil out of the bike. <laughs> God damn it, sleepy. <laughs> I, for Do the you know, record, I'm the only one who hasn't farted on this podcast. I yet. know, right? So what I would like to... The mechanics at NPA were actually really, really good. One of our friends, Shannon, she worked there as a mechanic at NPA, and they do a really good job on the sheet to tell you the motor on this bike is stuck. This bike won't start. The, the, the bid sheet on these bikes is actually pretty goddamn good if you're willing to read it. But more importantly, walk up to the fucking bike, turn the key, and start it. Now, yeah, 57 punters are going to start this bike the day before the auction. So you may have to go get one of the mechanics to bring you a battery cart and jump the bitch. I'm going to start it, make sure it runs good, and then leave the key on so nobody else does. Uh, if you've ever participated in an auction with 1,200 other dealers and you think you have dirty tricks, my oh, friend, no. you are new here. Oh, no. that's You were born yesterday, man. Did You're you new here. Pull the spark plug. Caps. I've done I've done Mannheim auto auctions since I was 18. No, you. I have seen all the tricks. It's evil. It's evil. And guys that do that for I've you know I'm a punter. I go in there. I buy 13 motorcycles. I buy 14 motorcycles. I'm having a good day. That was a good trip to Cincinnati. Woohoo! I got 14 bikes. There are guys that leave there with 80, 90, 100 yep. bikes. Yep. Uh, you guys, you can't even see these guys bid. Mm-hmm. They're bidding from from you know Planet Zeltron, and plus there's online bidders happening at the exact same time. But every bike only gets 45 seconds, maybe 90 seconds if it's going hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. They're gonna squeeze some more time out of it. But this is what scares me: uh, 29,491 bikes, and they're offering the same financing deals. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's you, right. So if a little's good, something. a lot's better, buddy. If if so, if Harley has. If Harley has the new bikes and they're way too expensive, mm-hmm. yep, and they kind of have like encompassed their own secondary market, mm-hmm. they're too expensive. Yep, the independent guys that have bikes, they're gonna the value of those are gonna fucking shoot up now because that's all anybody's gonna be able to afford cash wise. You know what I mean? Like, like even like the. Like, you know, some shitty fucking well, sportster that was three grand well, last year is now going to be five because the dude who wants the inner level bike can't afford sixteen grand, but he can still afford six grand. Well, sleepy, know? sleepy. Here's the pro- here's the flaw in your logic. An independent has still got to pay rent. A Harley dealer, they got more money than they know what to fucking do with, which is why they opened a Harley dealer. No, but but I'm saying like I I get it, but uh, you still have to turn product to make money. And if an independent can't make money, they're going to turn as fast as they can. An independent? No, you mean an independent like just an owner? I'm yeah. just talking a guy about who owner. owns a motorcycle. Yeah, like a guy that owns a Sportster that's right. in fucking real nice condition mm-hmm. right now, right? Yep. 
So now the kid that's like, I want to, well, fuck, they don't make sportsters. They make right. the rock star or whatever right. the fucking thing no, is. No, I want to buy that 2020 48. Yeah, right? and it's $12,000 yeah. now or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And But look at their fucking shitty financing. I can't do that. But now this dude down the street that had the $2,500 sportster, that's looking more attractive. But Hell that yeah, dude realizes that Hell there's yeah, a market now. So now yeah. he says, well, actually, I want four grand for it. Right. But that's still appealing because you can't yep. afford this. That's exactly right. Right. That and is exactly right. And I right. can finance for 6% through Chase. Right. <laughs> you could, that, that Sleepy is actually the one good, the one good fucking thing in this entire deal is because they've taken in all of these bad credit bikes. They've taken right. in all these bikes. And I mean, look, 60 miles on that Nightster right? 60 miles on that thing. But it's not new. It's used, man. That's pre-owned. That's somebody who bought a Nightster, rode it for 60 miles, and said, this was a bad idea. Or never made a payment. Or never made a payment. Or never made a payment. Exactly, right? Um, When you got another one sitting right there with 254 miles, this isn't nationwide, by the way. This is here in Cleveland alone. Look at the background on these pictures. That's all that very same rock and roll Harley Davidson dealership. It almost feels like it was like a dealership got closed or something. Like those were, no. One mile. Now, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Now, that's a dealership. That yeah. bike never left the dealership. Yeah. That's old inventory that went yeah. unsold, but it's a goddamn four-year-old bike. Yep. Right? Four-year-old bike. So, all these things are going to get another second chance at life being financed through who? Harley Davidson. Or Screaming Eagle. Or what Whatever Eagle, they're called. Eagle, Eagle Bank. Savings Bank. Evil yeah, Savings Evil Bank. ESB. Man. Right? So, all these bikes are bikes that are pre-owned. They're bikes that Harley Davidson can do a certified pre-own on, Whatever. It ain't the fucking bike they're making the money on because they repoed that son of a bitch. They've already made money on that bike once. Now they're about to make it better because they're doing what they're financing it. And that's where the money is at 11.9% on a $10,000 bike. Easy math on that. You're going to make about two grand, three grand over the life of the loan. So let's be careful with this shit if you're going out buying bikes, guys. The market is getting fucking weird. Yep. Um, the interest rates are all super high right now, but you're... Um, if you haven't looked at your what interest rate is on your credit card, uh, don't. You might get fucking shocked and scared. <laughs> yeah. uh, you remember that 7% credit card you had last year? Uh, it might be a 20% credit card right now. Don't let it go past 30 days. Um, it's, a, it's a weird time right now if you're buying motorcycles. The other thing is, I please want to remind all of my friends and listeners out there that you are not allowed to sell a motorcycle you don't own. Mm-hmm. I know this sounds like some really weird, dumb advice. I've had four people this week sell me motorcycles that they don't own. If you haven't made the last payment and have a letter saying you're released from the loan, the bank owns your bike. Mm-hmm. Lean release. You Correct. don't own it. You can't sell it. Get it the fuck off of Facebook. No, but once you pay me, dog, I'm going to go and pay it off. And Thank then you. I'll bring you the title. <laughs> Give me your bank's information, and we'll talk to the bank. Because that's how many how many, how many marketplace ads say that. Like, do have a lien on it. Once you pay me. Lean transfer. Yeah, yep. I will go and pay. And you're like, nope. yeah. I'm so four times this week. And I got to say, one of them was such a sore dick deal. I took it. Really? I took it. But I got the bike in my possession. Right. And they got to go do the thing. And of course, they were like, oh, I'm going to do this, and then I'll have a title for you this afternoon. And I was like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure you will. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, they mail that shit. It's going to be a week and a half on your best bet. And in the meantime, I'm not giving you a check. Right. Because I love that the guy's like, well, you give me the check, and I'll cash your check, 
and then I'll go pay my note. No. <laughs> no. That is not how it works. Right. Uh-uh. And would you ever say, well, okay, so you still owe $2,000 on it. Here's $2,000, pay your note, and then I'll give you the other, rather, you know, 6000 Think about that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, then he's going to come back. I might do that for you. Then he's going to come back and be like, he stole my bike. Yeah. I have my title. Trust I me. want my bike back. Trust me. Anybody who's in business isn't going to do that, and I hope no. if you're doing it out of your garage, you're not going to do it either. Mm-mm. But be careful out there. Uh, if you have a note, somebody else owns that bike. It's not yours. Don't change the exhaust. Don't change the seat. Don't cut the fucking center stand off of it. It's not your bike. You don't own it. If you have uh, 48 payments left on your pickup truck, don't spend $8,000 on rims. Dude, every kid in Medina does. I know. <laughs> There's a whole Facebook group saying the bank wouldn't like you doing that to their car. Yeah. Right. right? Uh, but in motorcycles, it's a big deal because people buy motorcycles and they think like, this is the motorcycle I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And three years later, they're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Better motorcycles exist. And this was a bad decision. Apparently, every Nightster owner thought that within like 600 miles, right? Apparently, the Nightster is a very shortly loved motorcycle or an instantly repoed motorcycle. One of the two. I can't figure it out. <laughs> right? It is really strange that they have that many low mile bikes. I can't see what the pricing is on those. You can't me. on these because you have to contact the dealer oh, for the price. Yeah. Oh, okay. We need to rub our sales department on you. Okay. Mm. We're not going to tell you. We're not going to show you ours until you show me yours. I need to see your credit score before I tell you the price on something. <laughs> For right? you? Well, you're more of a pod there's guy. More, there's more special things in here like this bullshit 2017 Harley-Davidson Street 750, right? You want to talk about somebody who, uh, <clears throat> the day this leaves the dealership, everyone's going to have a party, yeah. right? <laughs> this is one of those bikes you're like, Oh, wow. It I fucking left. I, I like, let me get a picture of you for our Hall of Fame. I honestly didn't realize. That I'm, <laughs> That's I mean, I'm, the guy who bought the 750. In the listing, it says no description available because I promise you, the dealership does not want to admit that this bike has no miles on it. Right. Ever. It's, it's been on three test rides. Oh, no, it does. It has 2,500 miles on it. <laughs> so, okay, great. That seven-year-old bike has 2,500 miles on it. I bet you it has... Two owners. I bet you it's not its third the, owner. The sad truth is I'm sitting here. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of doing Facebook at the same time, you know, Marketplace at the same time, looking yeah. to see what everything's going for. Yeah. And you can buy an 883 or XL1200 cheaper mm-hmm. than you can buy average price for a, for a Harley Street Guys, 500, 750. Okay. When you get, to, like, a, when you get to a dealership that isn't rock and roll, this is Southeast Harley, the diners in the background. I used to work at this dealership. So I used to work at this particular dealership, 1999 Sportster 1200. That's a good one. That's actually a bike you want to have. Um, Three thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars. Well, what was the? What was the? Twel- that's Chinese scooter money, pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No right? kidding. That's what Chinese the, scooter. What was money? the twelve hundred right. I got running for the guy that had the really bad Savage a couple months ago? Yeah. And I said, this might be the first Harley that I've actually got running that wasn't offensive. It was that bike. It was that bike. It was that bike. And it you yeah. you sold it for about that. And I went, well, I did. that's not a bad deal I sold deal it for 4,000 bucks and yeah. it had half as many miles on yeah. it. It had 6,000 miles on and it. I, and it's it, a good bike. I'll literally, ride literally I looked at you and yeah. I went, this is the least offensive Sportster <laughs> I've ever gotten running. And the interesting thing was that particular bike was the C, the 883C yeah. version of this. Yeah. So it had a 21-inch pizza cutter on the front. And right. A, you know. Wheel on the back, but that—that's four thousand bucks. Um, that gives you an idea. Like, 
don't buy a $14,000 Sportster when right on their website is a $4,000 Sportster. Yeah. It's just as Sportster. And and kids kids <laughs> kids play right. at home. Is it is it not the same? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sleepy, if I showed up in your driveway on this bike, yeah. Or on the 2023, you, you can literally buy that with a I mean, credit like, oh, card. Oh, fill out a Harley. You can, you can, you can buy it on a you credit card. You know what's credit. funny? You know what's funny? You can Except buy for like maybe the Sportster, <laughs> but if it's not the Sportster, if it's any other Harley, right? I don't give a fuck if it's like the sixty thousand dollar one or whatever. It's just a Harley to me. <laughs> like all of them, I don't care what. It's just a Harley. <laughs> it's just a Harley. People are always yelling. He's just got a the FLXLCL, whatever. Yeah, fucking Harley, dude. I don't know. And 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 again, I don't hate Harleys. I'm still one. Actually, would like to own one someday if we're nice cruising it's yeah. slick like they're yeah. absolutely horrible to push across the floor but other than that they're okay <laughs> i will say pushing my 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 road king pushing it i can't imagine backwards like moving it around the showroom it's a it's a it's a bag of wiggles it's a 900 pound wiggle factory because the handlebars are rubber mounted yep mm-hmm. right and you're trying to push this thing around and it's giving you all kinds of weird inputs and giving you all kinds of suggestions that it doesn't really want to go where you're pushing it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's meant to go forward down the road and that's what it's meant There's to do. There's a reason yeah. that, um, um, what do you call it, a lazy Susan for your garage exists for the old yeah. guys that have those Boy, bikes. you're not fucking kidding. And my, <laughs> I still believe that any motorcycle over 500cc should have reverse. It's a, yes. It's a right. chromed out rubber chicken. Look, Tom, Tom and I, oh, yeah. we're dealing with a little bullshit Piaggio scooter oh, yeah. that's electric. And it's adorable, and you could put one on each foot and go like thirty-five miles an hour, right? Yeah. But it's got reverse. It does. It's got reverse. It does. Mm-hmm. It's civilized. Is it just using the the starter backwards? Thing? It's electric scooter. So, so oh. they're one of the Instagram. <laughs> so it's not even using anything actually, backwards, actually, John. Phil, it's just the, there's a button you press, and the electrons flow the other one, way. <laughs> Phil, one of the Instagram uh, people that I follow, a, yeah. a lady that rides motorcycles. Posted her Honda Goldwing. What's the model you like? The FB F9B F6B F6B has all the all the gadgets and everything yeah. else, but no reverse. See, that's the thing. Okay, <laughs> a Goldwing has reverse, except because for the F6B. Goldwings are meant for old people. Except mm-hmm. for the F6B F6Bs are meant for almost old people. <laughs> there and are everybody. She she's because like because I think they had a decision. They were like, you know, for an extra one hundred and thirty eight dollars, we can put reverse on this. And he's like, no, 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 because that would attract an older clientele and take away from our Goldwing sales. Yep. We need to have a reason a dude's going to buy a Goldwing, which is like four or five grand more mm-hmm. than the F6B. Well, the F6B is just a naked Goldwing. It's still got the bags and everything. It's not a Valkyrie. A Valkyrie is a stripped down Goldwing <laughs> with no bags. And it's like, I'm an American cruiser, but I really have a boxer, you know, six cylinder engine yep. by yep. Honda. The Valkyrie is the Valkyrie. The F6B, to me, yeah, Chris knows. I'm going to buy one someday. There's going to be a yellow one. One of these days, you're going to show up to podcast, and Unky Phil's going to be like, ta-da. Everybody, every, I want to ride it. I want to ride it. Everybody go ride this bike. I'm going to make you ride this bike at gunpoint, because part of me buying this bike is making everybody else ride it, because... I've had several Valkyries come through my shop, the old Valkyries. The new Valkyries don't have the same charisma as the old Valkyries. They're kind of just a naked F6B, right? But come, you know, it's fuel injected. It's a six cylinder. It's a a big burly looking boy. Oh, that's a good looking bike. It's a cool bike, isn't it? An F6B is a cool looking bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's not insulting. Oh, but I like, like thinking now. that the Piaggio has reversed oh, the F6B yeah. does not. Well, so, <laughs> you know, one of our podcast buddies said that their podcast, the guys in that podcast were the carp. 
They were the carp. They were at the bottom of the pond, just waiting for the cheap bikes to filter down to them, right? And yep. eventually, they'd get the bike they wanted. Yep. It just took time. Yep. Now, that's been my story of life. I eventually got a, you know, I eventually got a Ducati 1000 GT, you know, GT 1000 Sport. I eventually got the bikes I wanted. I just had to wait long enough. Mm-hmm. And the F6B, the price on that, it was getting so low that I was like, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's actually going to happen. And then COVID happened and everything went up. And I was like, ah, they pulled it back up again. Um, I love the F6B. And not only do I love the F6B, but I love the F6B in yellow. The fuck you, Honda yellow. The just ridiculous. They made it in silver, white, black, and red, right? You see a lot of that. But the yellow one is the screaming yellow zonker. Yeah, if you're going to have a Honda Magna 750, it's got to be yellow. Oh, if you don't have you? one of those, yeah. it's got to be yellow. For real. Like, when Honda has a yellow bike, it's usually like, that's the one color you want. You know? Like, <laughs> I know we talk about ride red, right? I know yeah. we talk about, like, it's a Honda. It better be red. Um, no, in this particular case, I disagree. But Honda yellow is different than, like, Yamaha yellow. Like, it has its it own individual right. yellow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I do... God damn it. It's one of those things where I just kind of go, hmm, yeah. And... I know there's about a 73% chance that I'm going to get this motorcycle and I'm going to fucking hate it. I'm going to have to trade it to Chris for his Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You, you let me know right up front. I feel like I have just gotta to. Get, just got to get it out of the way. I feel like if I didn't warn you up front that it would be a bad thing because I do I do have an unnatural love of Chris's Vulcan. Yeah, so. I, wanna, we gotta, I gotta trade you something for your V7. I feel bad for that bike. It's just sitting there. Oh, is Nick not buying it? Nick should buy that. He is not. Oh, he's moving. He he's going to New York. Fuck. Oh, man. He's going to New York. I just watched that podcast. I wasn't there for it, so yeah. I had to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Incognito. You know um, who has two of those? V7s? Yeah. Me. Dave Nolan. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think he was, he's trying to unload them. Oh, is he really? Yeah. That's what V7, Pete says. V7s? Yeah. Are they also red and white bobber livery? <clears throat> OSU Buckeye bikes? Uh, I don't know the, uh, the paint scheme, but. Yeah. Um, Did you ever sell the auction bike? No, no, no. Damn sold. It's still there. I've had, oh shit, tons of qualified buyers, but they're like, well, I'm going to go buy a T100. No shit. Every single person, every single person that looked at that Moto Guzzi V7 Scrambler came out, looked at it, loved it. Great pedigree, flaming burnout under its belt. Done. Right. It's got, it's got cred. Mm. It's got cred. That the was tires. like six years ago, the yeah. flaming burnout. Oh, yeah. yeah. The tires are garbage, garbage, kind of big blocks. They got to go. But, you know, I'll do it. I'll throw you a set of TKC80s or something sexy. Oh. That's fine. I'll put some Mitas on there. I don't care. I'll sell it to you. It's a great bike. Yeah. It's an amazing bike. Do you know why people don't want to buy it? Mm. And, you know, everybody, all my friends are buying Triumphs. Mm. Oh. I mean, it's, this it's motor, hard. The Triumphs kind of nailed this, it, though. This Motoguzzi thing man. is scary. I don't know if I understand it really. Uh, <laughs> do I have to wear red suspenders is, or, or can I just own it? No, no, you got to wear red suspenders. It's a rule. Just put some more brown leather parts on it. Very good point. Yep. You know? Yeah, just lean hard into that. Yep. Um, honestly, eh. And you know what? It's that kind of a fuck you bike where I'm like, it's mine. I built it. I like it. Yeah. You don't have to like it. I, I can like put a set of TKC80s on it too. Mm-hmm. And then I can just put it back into the. I'll put it back into the rotation. Somebody, like Kevin Combs or one of our friends, 
will make me a sword like a deal that's a bad deal like trade it for a gb500 why don't yeah. why don't you do like all the other fucking people on all the groups do and do a waffle <laughs> dude okay when did that become i think it's just a way of not getting caught for saying raffle i know right i know uh, yeah. man yeah but that became like a real thing yeah yeah it's everywhere like, that's just it yeah. i've been trying to sell this bitch for 18 years yeah 100 bucks a ticket yep i have been I will slammed only sell, like this many tickets. i'll only sell ten thousand tickets whatever yeah. you know yeah. it's, but it's a number <laughs> uh but yeah i've uh i have been slammed on that so hard so hard uh where I'm on a lot of these JDM groups. Mm-hmm. And a guy's got something that is almost a skyline. Like, it's it's almost a skyline. It's skyline compatible. It's a Sylvia with the nose. Yeah, and he tail. can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. He, it ain't going nowhere. And so all of a sudden, it's like, uh, 100 bucks a ticket, I'm oh, only yeah. going to sell yeah. 500 tickets or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. Chrissy's doing that with a VBB or a Sprint or something yes. down in Atlanta. And that's always been a fun way to yeah. do it. If you're legit, you don't fuck up. You know what actually works pretty well? Yeah. You might try this for some of these bikes. I saw this on Adventure Rider, and it's pretty cool, and it doesn't go against any rules. Yeah. It's a reverse auction. So you uh-huh. go, okay, I'm starting today. Right now, if you want this bike, it's $10,000. I'm taking $10 off a day. So that way, it lets the person who's like, I'll buy that bike at $7,500. i am going to wait this motherfucker out. Oh. But then, as it comes down, right. and it gets to like 82, he's yeah. like, wait a minute, it's getting yeah. kind of... I better jump now. I thought that was a fucking That's a brilliant good idea. idea. That's so you start, really and you put it in the description, so you say, starting February 1st, right. and then every day after it, so that gets people know like you're not cheating them, because February 1st is ten grand. I, I'll tell you, I will trade somebody a fucking mid-Ohio pedigree under 700 miles title's never been titled by the way mm. brand new bike brand new bike so you could you do have a two-year limited mileage warranty there if you're intimidating enough mm-hmm. to the dealer in your neighborhood mm-hmm. uh you could do that the uh i will trade you if you have an f6b in yellow mm. um let's talk let's dance uh because <laughs> you know, you're just... probably you're probably sick of that fucking heavy bike anyway right <laughs> yeah you're probably sick of it right. and if you're sick of it i'm i'm let's do it Let's do it. Let's trade it up. Let, let me give you. Let me give you this badass little scrambler. Seven fifty. And if you got the the that thing that you want, yeah, six B. You got to put a track and a ski on it because it looks like a jet ski. It's a you big banana. Be, yeah, just yeah. a big old banana big for old winter banana. wintertime cruising. I, I I look. I'll bring it home. We'll just go out and ride it. Yeah, yeah. It might even turn into the town pump. It might just turn into like, hey, Phil, I need the F six B. You know, I thought right? of that. We should have kept the PC eight hundred just for pizzas and stuff. We should. Why the you fuck know? didn't we do that? <laughs> I don't we know. Sold, <laughs> we should have kept one would, PC eight hundred to go to get fucking snacks and shit. Hopper's PC eight hundred sitting in his backyard. In his backyard. Ah! Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, you, you, could probably, you could get it for almost nothing. Now, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't don't lowball him. He knows what he has. <laughs> He knows he's not. He's like, I think a thousand bucks. Yeah, but it's like the the problem is all we're gonna use it for is a pizza bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have two dirty carburetors in now. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And a GV yeah. box is much cheaper just to put on something else. No, but it is funny though. It is it is hilarious that it's like there is still a PC800 in our territory. I still I don't know if I've paid him for the ambassador. I've. We got to work that out. Yeah. Yeah. He, we may or may not. I, I think the title found its way into my shop, but yeah. Did his GC400C come back? I bought that back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I bought that back. 
That's Yo, I've still got a plan. I'm still yeah. working on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Sleepy. I have two of them. Okay. Right. Yeah, no, you're not going to get you're, shut out. You're, covered. Right, you're fine. Right. Yeah, your account is square with me, my friend. Thank your credit's you. good. <laughs> yeah. Unlike the 11% and 48 yeah, months right. of the balloon payment at the end. You're fine. I would like to finance that $4,000 for 72 months, please. For the longest possible term. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. Anybody else got anything else for this fine American motorcycle Smith, podcast? you better have something. Like any any jokes? jokes? Settle down. Johnny's <laughs> got so, something. Did oh, we what? hear the, the news know. about Triumph? Whoa, 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 whoa I'm sorry. Our Triumph I mean, representative is here. He's been quiet the entire episode. This is kind of old news, but I'm not talking about the Daytona 660. I'm talking about... Thank the, God. Looking at that bike made my back hurt. The ah, third yeah. iteration of the 400. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now hold the presses. Third iteration of the 400 yep it's gonna be a cafe bike <gasps> and i think there's some no. spy photos online so it's gonna be a mini thruxton yeah that's what i was thinking oh, doing dude. away with the thruxton <laughs> that's knob worthy the thruxton's going away yeah but i'm saying that it's a kind of like a mini <gasps> dude that's knob rubbing worthy <clears throat> okay okay yeah All we got right. it we need Hold more on. information about this before we cut re i mean Man, we were on the ripcord too. We were ready to go. I was pulling yeah, out. We're yeah. fucking going. Yeah. We're Sorry. out of here. Damn, man. why did you hold out on us? We've been talking about Harleys all night. That's crap. Well, we were just talking about <laughs> financing. That's all. It's just Harley Davidson was our, our victim. Tramps right. educating people on F and I. The thing that well, I usually that's yeah. true. Dude, we didn't even talk about F and I. Yeah. I could do an hour on F and I. Look at uh, under uh, the four hundred RR. Is that it? Oh, dude. No. No, that's a that's that's a, got like a Rickman. No, that, no, that's no. A, that's a parallel twin. That's all okay. a twin. I was seriously about that's to start. That's all a twin. No. I was gonna work. What my did you say, Dan? What's the, I think they called it the four hundred RR. Okay. Pirate. I would think the four hundred RR would be a, a cafe racer. I mean, yeah. a, a sport bike. Yeah. Right. Is the Triumph 400 coming to the USA? All right, yes. So Triumph 400. Oh, wait, RR right there. Where? Triumph Speed 400. Oh, motorcycle. Motorcyclesports.net. Oh, spy photos. 400 RR spy photos. They painted it in invisibility paint. Yeah, no great photos of it. No, it's very bad. No, but it's got a fairing. It's in Vanta Black. It is in Vanta Black. When you look at it, you go back in time. But you know what's disappointing? It's looking kind of small because that dude doesn't even look like a big dude and it looks like he's on a CB350. Yeah, so I went over to the Triumph dealer and I sat on the 400. And I had to move the bike around the dealership until I found a reflective surface to put it in because I refused to take anybody's word for it mm -hmm. that I didn't look like I stole my sister's bike or something. Right. right. And uh, I... <laughs> I fucking, I sat on this thing and I was like, it's pretty cool. I like it. It feels great. It looks cool. You know, I'm a big fan of middleweights. So I'm a big fan of 400s. Um, I'm used to riding a G400C. It's mm -hmm. totally fine. Uh, okay, fair That's enough. That's not a small bike. The G400C is a normal it's, size bike. It's a bike. normal size bike. And I sat on this thing and I was like, hmm, all right. So I pushed it around the showroom until I found the right reflective surface. And I sat on the bike again and I looked at it and I went, oh, I need to lose some weight. Uh, <laughs> I got to, I got to. Um, She's a small one. Guy. I'm a little too chunky for this bike. Uh, that's what it came down to. So, and so it's basically the GB500. It is GB500. It's exactly right. God, oh. was that you again, Sleepy? <laughs> I think it was John. Is it John? Oh, man, <laughs> run fast and take chances. <laughs> yeah, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> We got any of those God. lighters Crumpkey left behind? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I want to blow your face off. 
Yeah. That, wow. You know, the, the Maybe uh, got a joke or anything, because anything. We no. got to get the fuck out of here. I can smell that over here. I literally can smell that over hey, here. Hey, what that is vile. Hey, Phil, Phil, say the line. Fuck it. Dude, dude, ride fast and take chances. Get us out of here, Sleepy. John, play us out. Push your mouth. Bum, bum, through your nose. You can do bum, 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 Bum 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 b